Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Dungeons and Junkies presents Escape from Ulfam, episode 33, The Ape, The Book, and The Pyramid. I'm Matt. I'm Alex. And I'm Carrie. Guys, welcome back to Dungeons and Junkies. Um, it's time for Chad to take his turn in the DM's chair, so whenever you're ready, sir, send us to hell. Why, hello there, everyone, and once again, Matt, it's not hell, it is a, if most, a purgatory dimension, and if you keep calling it hell, I'm going to kill another one of your characters, because I'm <laughs> real fucking sick of it. To be fair, a lot of people would class it as hell. Anyway, I apologize. Please continue. Hi, everyone. It's Escape from Wolf Home time, my terrible homebrew world. That's also awful and awesome all at the same time. I am Chad, I play everyone else in the world, but let's go around the table and find out who we'll be playing today in this wild and wacky world. And we'll start with the one himself. We'll go with Matt. We'll be called the one himself. I'll take that, take that as a, um, on the, on the label for sure. Hey, I am Matt, I'm playing White Santon, detective of Ganymede PD, liaison to Barton Vicious, and uh, last time, uh, currently lost in the library with a knife, some of a knife fetish, and who is clearly too barky for their own good sometimes. I'm also a Power Ranger. Wow, what a what an intro on that one. Uh, well, we'll go over to the buddy cop moment and the situation that currently Wyatt's in. So we'll slap over to Virian. Hi, I'm Carrie, and I play Varian Nathine, the Wood Elf Warlock, who is apparently too sparkly for his own good, trapped in a library with a really, really cool guy with a cool weapon name, and an idiot Power Ranger who's just slowing me down at this point. See, I can be a bitch too, Matt. <laughs> Always good when uh, infighting begins before the session even kicks off. Uh, next we'll go, let's go to Alex. Hi, I'm Alex, and today I'm playing Avery Lansfield, the Azamara Blazing a Wizard, who is not completely fucked in this current situation. Matt, Carrie, you might want to hurry up with that book. Yes, and finally, Caitlin. Hi, I'm Caitlin. I'm not part of the buddy cop, nor am I completely fucked. I'm mainly just annoyed. I play Damien. He doesn't have a last name, because fuck you. He's a warlock, a Ganassi shadow sorcerer, who's stuck outside in the city with an unconscious asshole and a fucking pyramid with more assholes in it. Yeah. So many assholes. That's a wonderful, wonderful segue into our recap of last time. Because last time on Escape from Wolf Bomb, our party was still finding themselves split up. We had the buddy cops going together, aka Detective Wyatt Stanton and Virian out on the outskirts of Ganymede trying to find a book to help them locate their lost 
fallen slash reborn slash Asimar friend Avery, who also finds himself being hunted currently in a the best term would be would be a pocket dimension after almost dying multiple times and being stabbed by a small monkey he finds himself in a battle with a much larger ape at this moment barely clutching onto the last strengths of life and then we have Damien who has found himself had to walk all the way back to Ganymede Square then found out that Grozny is definitely infected and no longer the Grozny that they know. Plus, the Warforged in the area also seem to be infected. And with one last gasp, Bart looked at the situation, grabbed Damien's arm, and teleported them to the outskirts of Ganymede in front of a massive pyramid. And with that, Bart passed out, bleeding, and Damien met himself a man in a black suit with a minister's collar who led them into a large glass pyramid. But with that, let's jump right back into Escape from Ulfam. And we will stick with Damien. Because Damien, you being led in a bleeding Bart, one arm over your, one of his arms over your shoulder, one of the arms over the shoulder of uh, Aldric, as you are led into this massive mirrored pyramid. And the, as the doors open and you actually get out of the rain into the pyramid and the giant stone slides behind you, the man in the minister collar turns and, <sighs> all right. I, I'm going to drop the nice talking. Everyone says I have to talk like that when I'm out there because I'm too much of a dick, they always say. But yeah, all right. Uh, I'm Aldric. We uh, know I'm outside. Damn, please is my last name. I was trying to be nice because I saw you were with Bart. But obviously the asshole is dying, so I don't care. But let's get you guys inside, all right? Sure. Just an FYI, if you try and murder me, it will not end well for you. <laughs> oh, I don't know you, and I don't care about you enough to murder you. So, no, I'm good. I just, I just keep looking at Bart, who's bleeding on me, and I'm like, ugh. 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 Uh, make me a perception check real quick. Well then, Kate, then you have a bunch of D6 out, but you don't actually have D20s out, you fucking moron. Nailed it! 26. Damien, as you, uh, as this minister collar wearing person is talking to you and you hazard a glance at Bart, you can see at this point he's completely unconscious and there is actually a trickle of blood starting to form from the side of his mouth. That's actually now just active. You saw him cough up blood before, but he is now actively bleeding. You can see droplets and a stream of blood coming out the side of his uh, lip. I probably should care, but I don't. The two of you with Bart in tow, uh, he kind of takes the lead in that weird way where you're all connected 
but he, this minister collar wearing person, kind of moves the line so that he is in the lead as he's leading the three of you down a long stone corridor. And Damien, as you're going through, you can start to hear the sounds of music as you're going through. Very pretty music. Uh, the sounds of lutes, the sounds of strings instruments as you're walking down this long corridor until finally this corridor opens into a massive entry hall kind of area. And you can see giant gold statues of like Spartan, uh, like soldiers standing. The large uh, Spartan style helmet with the plume on the top, holding giant spears, some of them. Another one holding a massive sword and shield. You can see another one literally holding closed a door. Um, there's these three massive statues. And as you enter into it, Damocles looks about and, well, welcome to the Band of Atomism. I think you're probably the first non-member here in, God, a millennia? Damien looks around, takes in the gaudy interior, and is like, am I supposed to care? I I guess I don't know. I guess most times people are more impressed by walking into a, you know, giant mirrored pyramid that you couldn't see until you walked up to. But yeah, you don't seem to give a fuck, huh? I've seen a lot of weird shit in the short amount of time I've been in Ulfar, so... This is kind of a Tuesday. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess uh, if that's your mentality, we'll have to try and uh, ramp it up a little bit. Show you something you haven't seen. Oh, fuck. This guy's dying, isn't he? All right. Yep. All right. Uh, let's start uh, this way. And he kind of, once again, pulls the whole group and you turn right. And you take one of the side hall tunnels and you get to walk down another uh, stone tunnel. As you're going down this tunnel, you can see this is actually lined with like photos of different men and women and like just people all along in different armors and different things, all standing and smiling. And you can see on the bottom just names and names of fallen comrades as you go down this hallway. I don't stop Bart's head from, like, whacking against the wall or corners. While Damien isn't trying to be cautious with the body, the man in the minister collar is trying to be quite cautious and kind of gives you a dirty look every time that you don't take the turn quick enough and, like, then kind of, like, jerks Bart along and gives you a side eye. Look, I don't... I don't know you or anything, but can you at least help me get this body to the medical area so he doesn't die out here? Sure. Because I totally want to bring my torturer to a place where he gets help. Oh, what the hell kind of bag of snakes did I get myself into? Why did I walk out of the fucking pyramid this morning? Well, look at me. You, two, and Bart keep going down this hallway till finally, after about another three turns and about another five minutes of walking, you finally reach a doorway and the man reaches up and pounds on the door. Hey, you in there? 
the door slowly creaks open and you pull Bart into what looks like a small doctor's office and inside you see a Warforge standing blue eyes just a silvered body uh, but wearing a white lab coat over his metal exterior as he looks up oh 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 shit what the hell's going on here Kind of heft bar onto like a surface. Yeah. With, oh, yes, he's dying. Uh, with Damocles' help, the two of you kind of lift up Bart's very just, just no strength in his body at all. He's definitely dead weight at this moment. And you heft him up, kind of left him onto this examiner's table as you look at this Warforge. What the fuck happened? Plane shift. Shit. Okay, alright. And you see this Warforce immediately ignore the two of you and turn to Bart, grabbing a scalpel off of a table. He grabs Bart's coat or shirt and begins just cutting straight down. And as he cuts the shirt that Bart is wearing straight across and opens it up, I need you to make another perception check there, Damien. I am very closely watching this Warforce in case his eyes go static and I need to fucking leave. Nineteen. Damien, as the shirt is pulled back, the two pieces after he cuts it, you see a gush of blood. And as you see Bart's chest, it's actually a very odd thing to see, as it literally looks like parts of Bart's body aren't there. It, it literally looks like he is being almost transported but section by section, as you can see, there seems to just be pieces of Bart's chest missing as he is just gushing blood from multiple different wounds on his chest. Huh, not all of them came with him. Holy fuck, shit, shit, shit. Alder, what the fuck is going on? What did you, what have you got us into this time? Dude, 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 don't fucking look at me. I was just fucking out for fucking routine schedule, just looking around the pyramid, and I found these two assholes outside. Don't fucking come at me right now. Just fix the fucking tiefling. Damien's just leaning against the wall, like, watching this. Ugh. Uh, alright, alright. I'm... You see that Aldrich kind of gives one more... Looks at Bart on the examining table, looks up at this Warforge, and looks back at you. Are you okay? Do you need us to check you out? What happened? Like, if he's this fucked up, why are, are you okay? I'm kind of examining myself. I'm like, I'm pretty sure some ribs are broken and things, but he's kind of the priority here. Okay, uh, well, we need to figure... Uh, all right, you can you come with me. I'm, we're, I'm gonna take you to uh, take you to the general. Maybe she'll know what to do with you. All right. All right. Um, call us if you anything happens with this tiefling. What did you say his name was? Bart. All right. Uh, 
the ministered collar man looks back at the Warforged. Contact us if he says anything or wakes up or anything like that. I am going to take her to the general and see if she can work out anything of what to do with this. Uh, he raises his eyebrows at being called her. Let's say his. But... My hair is floofy, but come on. You see the Warforged doesn't even look up at uh, Damocles as he's already trying. His Both hands are basically wrist deep into Bart at this moment, trying to seal up these multiple like bleeding wounds that are happening. And just with a yes, yes, the Warforged kind of skews you all out with a shake of his head as the two of you head back out into the hallway. All right, well... This is not how I thought my morning was going to go, but great. All right, the choir here, Aldrich. You're saying you didn't expect that you were going to be dealing with a bleeding, you said, torturer? Long story, but he's... He's got access to some magic that basically renders me in agony unless I do what I what he wants. Ah, good. The old Vicious special. So you're one of Vicious's employees then, aren't you? One of the unwilling ones. Asshole. I popped up here one day due to circumstances. He found us. He put bombs in our neck. I swore at him through the entirety of the cube. And now I work for him, and I keep fucking dying! Oh! He dropped you in the cube, huh? I killed his pets. He wasn't too pleased with that. Ugh. Ugh. Vicious in his pets. He's always got something new cooking over in the cube. Well, too many fucking balls. The two of you are kind of, you've made your way back down this hallway and you come back into the main hall, like reception area with the giant statues as uh, Damocles keeps going forward and then takes a right and heads straight uh, to the back wall, heading through a large door. Well, um, so I'm going to take you to the general. Uh, she guess would be your best bet to chat with and maybe she could help you out I don't know exactly what's going on with you as a minister of the watch I'm this is far above my pay grade and also the affairs of actual mortals really just kind of pours the fuck out of me yes well this whole dimension seems to be a clusterfuck so right I am so glad somebody else has said it I'm not here. I'm not from here. But like, Jesus Christ, these people need to chill. I would a hundred percent agree with you. Uh, I'm gonna be real blunt with you, real quick, though, just so you know. Uh, I'm not gonna come in with you when you go talk to the general. Uh, she's not exactly the most happy with me at the moment. It disappeared not too long ago for a little bit of an extended time and. She was not happy with me about that. Let me guess, you disappeared to another dimension to deal with, like, some fucking Medusa or something. 
I was pulled from this dimension, which is very odd. You don't usually see that happening in Wolfham. We, it's a very odd thing that I got ripped from here, but she blamed me for it. I can't really say that I didn't deserve to be blamed. I was out there yeah. kind of fucking around. I get ripped fr from here every so often for weird fucked up shit for some warlock dude. It happens. Well, Damien, maybe we'll have some more to talk about after you chat with the general. But uh, let me uh, lead you the way and we can get on to that. As, yeah. as he says that, you've actually reached the end of this hallway to a set of giant gold doors. And you see Aldrich kind of puts a hand forward. Well, go on in. She's already expecting you, I'm sure. Any advice? Don't be too stunned by what you see. <laughs> Damien gives you a look of like, come the fuck on. And Aldrich so, turns and makes begins to walk back down the hallway away from you. Other people. Guess I'll knock. Mm. As you knock, the door actually just kind of swings open slowly. Well, that's ominous. <laughs> Strided. How the fuck not? Damien, you walk into a massive circular room. The walls covered in pictures of what could best be described as eldritch horrors. As you see the faces of things like Cthulhu, and Methuselah, just all these massive creatures, pictures of them on the wall. And as you kind of scan about, in front of you lies a massive wooden table covered in papers with, can I get a wisdom save from you real quick? Sure, I can do wisdom saves. Uh, that is an 18. Damien, as you're looking over this table, you suddenly spy a long set of flowing brown hair kind of draped over what looks like a piece of paper as a woman is standing at this desk and clearly puzzling over a piece of paper that she is looking at. But Damien, even in your asexual glory, you haven't felt a bit of love or even just the feeling of wanting another person and probably ever at this point since your throat was slit. And as you look at this brown flowing hair in front of you, you feel your heart actually begin to beat a bit faster and a bit of rosiness actually come to your cheeks. Fascinating. The woman doesn't look up. So you brought a dying tiefling into my pyramid. I mean, if you want to quibble about it, Damocles brought him in. You see her chuck. You hear a chuckle come from her as this woman looks up at you 
and you see the most beautiful woman you have ever seen in your entire life, Damien, and you actually feel your heart skip a beat as these beautiful blue eyes lock with yours. What are you? Oh, that. I, I'm sorry. <sighs> you see her look at you and walk around the other side of the table before she grabs a couple stools from the far wall and kind of drags them over. Please, sit. I'll sit cautiously. She grabs the other stool and positions it basically right across from you and sits down across from you. I am General Calypso. I am the leader of the Band of Atomism, and you are? Damien. Just Damien. Damien, as it were. Okay, well, um... Why don't you tell me what has happened? And after that, I guess I will try to... First of all, I want to put you at ease because I can tell that I my charm is already working on you. I apologize. I... You've been in Ulfarm for a bit now. I heard you saying in the hall. I mean, I'm not entirely sure of how the passage of time works here, but yes is an odd concept here. But yes, um, so the best way to put it, did your world, wherever you came from, have um, gods, if you will? Yes, though I didn't believe in them. Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you right now, they were probably real, as I am the daughter of a god. Well, good for you. Yes. Don't like higher powers. Damien, as it were, I I don't know what you do or why you're here in Ulfarm or anything of that nature. I hope to ascertain that in a moment. But after this is all done, if you truly do have a power uh, uh, despisement for higher powers. The Band of Atomism might be a calling that you might want to take up. To me, that sounds like you want me to trade my dislike of higher powers to work for another. Well, not work for as much as kill them, but... Once again, this is not here or there at the moment. I want to know what you're doing here. And why should I tell you? I don't know you. I don't trust you. Oh, Damien, that is very correct. I guess you don't have a reason to tell me anything. And if you would like, you may turn around, exit this room, and leave this pyramid right now, and no one will stop you. Yes, but then I'll die out there, and it's so boring. What do you want to know versus what I will actually tell you? 
Well, I want to know why you show, showed up at our doorstep with a bleeding tiefling. That's easy. I was in the Golden Crane with the tiefling, whose name is Bart. Yes, that Bart. We got into an altercation, and we weren't going to win, so Bart grabbed me by the arm and plane-shifted here. And clearly not all of them came through. You were in a fight in the Golden Crane, as in, in the pits? No. How much news of the city do you get out here? Well, I have agents within the city to constantly keep us up to date just in case anything of actual multiversal problems would arise there. What do you know about the hospital? I heard it was destroyed. Yeah, that was me. It was an infection. And despite nuking the fucking hospital and killing several million people, that infection seems to still be going on. Something tried to kill me the other day. Honestly, they should really stop trying. It doesn't fucking work. And they said that there was no way I was alive. I got back. And, well... The thing that I'd... thing that had tried to kill me seems to have infected others, and... Well... Let's just say I'm pretty sure the Golden Crane isn't safe anymore. Ah. Oh. If this, the Golden Crane was ever safe with Bart and Vicious in control. I'm preaching uh, to the choir here, but my point still stands. Well, so you arrived at my doorstep, basically because you weren't safe in your old doorstep. That's fair. I mean, I haven't been safe in a long time, so... It's kind of bar brought us here. I got pulled for the ride. Yes, Bart is a interesting tiefling, I will say. In the hundreds of years I have dealt with them, they always seem to be in some kind of interesting conundrum with Vicious. Yes, well, they're currently in charge at the moment, so, you know. Ah, uh, yes, I... Yes, it would be that time where Vicious is taking his sleep, isn't he? Oh, isn't it nice? I get to sleep for a decade or whatever. Fucking banker. You see, once again, a smile across this woman's face. And you, once again, feel your heart stop for a moment with just... It is an uncontrollable thing where, and you can feel yourself just, you were annoyed as fuck by this, Damien, that you have no control over your emotion uh, while you're around this woman. Can you turn it off or something? I'm... Uh, <laughs> no, I unfortunately cannot turn this off. I don't like people having influence over me. And the more whatever the fuck you are seems to be affecting me, the more it's reminding me of blood magic and the more I'm disliking you. You can see uh, almost a pained expression crosses Calypso's face as she looks you dead in the eye. I'm sorry. I'm... 
I'm not trying to do this to you at all. It's not... I don't like it either, alright? I am a warrior. I am a general in command of an entire band of military. I fight eldritch horrors that you, Damien, who seem quite tough and have clearly been through many things, would not even be able to wrap your tiny little mind around. And I don't mean that in a insulting way. I mean that in the way that these creatures are literally beyond any comprehension. So I'm sorry. I, I really don't want to be trying to infatuate you or entrance you or anything like that, Damien. But it's something I have to deal with and I fucking hate it myself. I don't know how long I've been in Orphan for, because I don't know fucking how fucking time works here. I died by mistake in my world. I got brought here because I'm no fucking god of fate or whatever decided to be a dick. Bro was here. Vicious took us as his employees, aka stuck a bomb in my fucking neck. And I've been doing jobs for him, and I keep fucking dying and keep getting brought back. And now I'm sat in this random pyramid, and Bart's basically dying on a table downstairs. I don't know where the rest of my compatriots are. I only really care about one of them anyway. But... I, don't, I just don't fucking know anymore. This, none of this shit makes sense, and I hate it. He is vibrating <laughs> with like anger. You, Damien, you're kind of almost looking down at the ground as you're screaming this last little bit, and you feel a hand on your shoulder as Calypso is standing in front of you. A flinch. You can see a Calypso's hand withdraws for a moment before both hands become on your shoulder, on either shoulder, and... Clipso looks you dead in the eye, her blue eyes sparkling as they make direct eye contact with you. Listen, I don't know you. I don't know your struggles or anything of that nature. But I will tell you from whatever is going on, I will do my best to help you at this moment. Please stop touching me. Clipso raises both hands and puts them up by her face. Let us go see Bart. And let me see if I can do anything for you. Okay, Damien, as it were. I maintain like a two meter distance from her at all times. Uh, with seeing this, you can actually now fully see as she is standing up that she is wearing a full uh, plate armor. And you can see the armor is a sterling silver and almost a mirrored sheen. With... Wow, and I'm still bleeding and dirty. Yep. Uh, she also has a huge, like, red, uh, like, kind of cloak over the back of her armor. And you can see the a huge symbol on the back of this cloak, which looks like an A... Uh, entrenched in a circle, and then multiple other shapes, like, inside of this A. 
Right, well, we're not going to get anything done here in my war room, so let us back to the medical examiners. Lead on. And Calypso kind of swooshes by you with the cape and heads back down out of the hallway, back towards the medical examiner's area. But meanwhile... The camera flies through the air, kind of smash cutting, and it comes back to as Avery, I need you to roll me initiative immediately. Uh, eight. Whew, that's a stonking big number right there. The camera smash cuts back to a jungle clearing. The sound of bugs and birds in the air as a bleeding metal-armed Asimar stands staring up at a 15-foot-tall ape-beast-like creature with a giant mallet. And Avery, you bleeding, standing there. This creature's probably about still 40 feet in front of you, not quite on top of you. And you see it look down at you. It sees the remains of the smaller ape that you already killed with the magical beam that emanated from your chest that you don't really know how happened. But this first, uh, this ape begins to charge toward you. And actually, as it's massive size, it doesn't actually have enough movement to get to you. So it uses its entire turn to just charge the 15 feet of its normal movement and it used its action to take the rest of another 15 feet of movement. So it's about 10 feet from you and I need a dexterity save from you real quick. I got a one. Avery. You bleeding and staring up at this massive ape-like creature. Its movement is slow, so you kind of like, as you're holding your, basically trying to hold your guts inside of you as some of them are trying to fall out, you see this ape take its double dash towards you and jumps into the air and lands. And as it does, a shockwave kind of flies out and as it does, it knocks you to the ground, and you are prone on the ground. But it's now your turn to act there, Avery. I'm gonna uh, use me half of me movement to stand up, put on the ring at speed, and then I'm gonna disengage and use my bonus action to dash, because I have one HP. I can't fight it. Uh, well... First of all, as you put on the Ring of Speed, I will need a Constitution saving throw. 16. Avery, as you put the ring on, you feel a like almost like your body, you have very little energy reserves left in you right now. And as you put the ring on, you feel it almost drain whatever left that you had in the tanks. And you feel a like a lethargic, like kind of air wash over you. 
Uh, but the ring still activates. But you know this is definitely probably the last time you're going to be able to use this ring for a while without it doing some serious damage to you. Once the ring's on, I will use my bonus action to dash in whatever movement I have left. Because I can fight this. Sure. Uh, which way would you like to dash? Just straight away from them? You want to try and get by this ape-like feature? You want to go left, right? Just what you think. Okay. Any areas where the forest is denser? Um, at the moment, you're kind of in a clearing. You don't really know. It all looks very dense around you. Except for the path that this giant ape-like creature like bashed its way through. Uh, besides that, everything else is quite dense in the jungle around you. Okay, I'm gonna go opposite the way he did, then awesome. carry on into the forest. Alright, cool. Uh, with that, why don't you give me then... So you're, you're not gonna plan on fighting it at all, right? You just wanna run at this moment? I can't take it on, so I'm gonna run. Cool. Why don't you give me three dexterity saves in a row, please? The last one at disadvantage, please. Okay, so the first two dex saves are a 13 and a dirty 20. And the one at disadvantage, six. Avery, you turn as the ring goes on your finger and began to sprint away from this giant hulking ape. You began to jump over tree branches and vines and ripping through this bush and brambles. As you keep going straight forward, not even like you hazard a glance over your shoulder just to check to see if this ape is coming. And as you turn back and you look, you immediately go splash as you fall into the river. As, once again, you the jungle is reconfigured, and in your haste of just trying to run off, you've literally ran yourself directly and fallen into the river. And I need another dexterity saving throw real quick. Disadvantage or regular? Oh, we can do this one at regular, just because I'm a nice guy. I think you did. Uh, 22. Avery, as the water hits you, as you splash into the water, you immediately get begin to get dragged down by the current. And you go with a fit of agility and smarts that you didn't think you had. Your metal arm reaches out and it literally smashes a rock that would have probably killed you. And by probably, I mean, it would definitely have killed you had you not hit this rock because your head was going directly for it. And you begin to get washed downriver. And you're technically out of combat right now. This is fine. Uh, so at this point, you're being washed down a river by a sweeping current. Uh, what would you like to do there, Avery? Um, I'll try and pull myself to the other side. Okay. Um, I will need an athletics check for you to try and fight against this raging river to make it to the other side. I'll use another use of me um, 
knowledge of the purse, so that's an extra d6. And I get a plus two to this with the um, bands, don't I? Yes, you do. Uh, let's see. 17 plus 3 plus 2. 22. Avery, you literally feel the bands around your arms, like, kind of, like, tighten as you begin to, like, fight against this current, and you feel your muscles actually kind of, like, bulk out for a moment as you find the strength and you grab on to the other bank of this river before pulling yourself out onto the other side. So I do that, I'll take off the ring. Chuck it back in the pocket and forget about it for now. Because I can't really use that for a minute. Right. Okay, so I'm going to continue into the forest for a minute. Oh, so you're going to go back into the forest? Yeah, just carry on trying to put some distance between me and the ape. Sure. Uh, make me a survival check, please. Uh, 14. You begin to make your way through this jungle on the other side of the river. Just kind of pushing past branches and brambles, not recognizing anything that you've seen before. But really, how, how could you? It's, it's all trees and it's all jungle. The sound of animals and creatures kind of just echoing around you, the buzzing of the insects, the cawing of the birds, and every once in a while you can hear a louder kind of like a growl or roar of a bigger creature as you keep pushing your way through this jungle. Avery, after about five, ten minutes of doing this, you come to another clearing. And what you find is it's it's definitely reminiscent of the clearing from the first round of this challenge with the hounds as you come upon a very large rock in the center of this clearing. And you find yourself looking about and you can actually see the sky again. And as you look up, you can see the timer still clicking down looking down it's been it's down to 36 hours you've made your way halfway through the 72 hour challenge at this point as you look up to the sky what would you like to do um can I hear the ape anymore uh, make me a perception check. Twenty-seven. You can definitely hear the thunderous steps. It's really hard to tell where they're coming from, as it's almost just—it seems to echo throughout all over. You can't feel the ground itself shaking, but you can definitely hear thundering steps off, like in the distance, which almost seem to come from all around you. Um, what I'm going to do then is just taking a quick glance around, making sure it's clear. I'm going to, um, I think we're going to take a short rest because I need to try and gain some health back. But if 
I hear it coming too close, and I'll just interrupt the rest and carry on moving. All right. Um, you will need to at least rest for an hour to gain back any hit points. So with that, do you want to set up, like, try and set up a camp or a traps or anything of that nature? Or what are you going to do to, you know, I guess, wake yourself up from your trance in case of an issue? That's a fantastic question. I thought so. Thanks. You know when you have one character and everything they have is an item or a mechanic they can use, and then you have the next character which everything is a spell-related thing? That's the issue I've got with right now. Everything is spell-related. Uh, let me think. I'm going... I've got... No, I haven't got a rope for this character. You do have the 20 foot of uh, rope that was given to you by Kazdor at the beginning of this. Oh yeah, that's on notes back. That's why I forgot that, because that's on the further back note page. Okay, um, I'm going to... I'm going to set up like a... Tell you what, I'm going to go 30... 50 foot back in the direction I've been, and I want to... What I want to do is I want to make a rope trap on the trees. So like, I'll put like a trip rope. Because that might give me some time if I hear something. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, so you just are you, a literal trip rope. So you're just going to try it, like to tie it so that this ape would trip over it. That's the plan. Even right. though I'll hear the rope snap and it will give me some notice. Awesome. Uh, why don't you give me two sleight of hand checks uh, for a couple knots, and then a survival check to see how well you position it. Okay, um, one roll was a 11, the other roll was a 21, and as for survival, uh, 15. Avery, it takes you a, a couple tries with the first knot to actually get it to fully tie and stay around this tree, but after four or five tries and about five minutes of fucking around with this rope, you manage to get it tied onto one tree and then you pull it taut uh, across about a good 10 foot gap before you tie it very well because you have all the experience of that first knot onto this other tree. And you actually, as you look, go, huh, this isn't too bad. As you create a rope trip at about a about four feet in the air, as you know, it's a pretty damn big ape. So you want to be able to take it out. But you manage to set up a trap over here and uh, blocking off one of the uh, exits or entrances, this little clearing area. And once that's done, I'm going to try and get an hour's rest. Um, I don't know whether it's worth noting, but um, as a reborn, it's the same sort of thing as a trance. You have four hours of alert sleep where you're conscious at the same time somehow. So I will, I will go a little bit off, not trying to sit in the clearing, but just outside by a tree. And I'm going to try and get an hour in. Sure. 
Uh, we will say that you get to get your rest in for that hour. And uh, how many hit die are you going to use here to regain health? Uh, let's see. I have 5d6 left. So... Let's see what I roll quickly. Okay, that's good. Uh, do you add your constitution modifier to these? You know, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever... I don't think so. No. So, six plus six. I think you used to. I don't think you do in 5th edition. Yeah, 3.5. Yeah, so that gives that gives me yeah I'm gonna go with two three of my hit dice so I've got two I thought left. you do add your con modifier so not when you're regaining I didn't think you did when you were regaining health character can spend one or more hit die at the end of a short rest up to your maximum number for each hit die spent in this way roll the die and add your con modifier to it oh so it is well, then you get a little con modifier as well. I'm corrected. Apologies, I have... With my con modifier, that gives me 25 HP then, so I'll use just the free. Nice. Avery, wide-eyed and sitting, though, you manage to take an hour and you feel a little bit of the blood flow begin to stop from your belly and your organs seem to be in the right spots as the cuts and such seem to form a very, very small, thin layer over them to stop the wounds from actively bleeding constantly. Find yourself, you're back against a tree as the thundering in the distance seems to be a little bit closer at this moment. But meanwhile, the camera zooming away from the jungle kind of gets back into the sky before whizzing off and it comes back into a flamed area that is lit by lanterns to a pyramid after a loud roar was just heard. And uh, Gith Rocky is standing at one end of a, uh, the pyramid with a human and a sparkly elf standing on the second floor on the other side, looking over at him after hearing a massive roar come from somewhere above. Can we tell how, can I tell how far above? Or is, is it that, is this, like, Fucking reverberating around like it's so it's echoing. It's echoing too much to tell where it's coming from. It, it's coming. You can tell that it's coming from all of the like tubes that are in the ceiling because you can once again see those big holes in the ceiling that seem to lead off somewhere. So, but you can hear it reverberating through all of them, so you're not exactly sure where it's coming from. You just know that it's coming from above. I would look at Miriam and say, 
I've never heard of it like that before. I'm guessing you haven't either? Question mark? Regardless of whether or not I have, probably a sign we should do something about it and slash or move. Good idea. Um, I'm thinking we run. Sure. We haven't, we haven't got a shout. Yeah. We, we haven't got a shouty air grenade left to bail us out this time. Okay, a white will look around for somewhere for us to either escape into or hide. Um, at this point. Sorry, I'm gonna take Kate's gonna look at the room, hands on their hips, not impressed. Wyatt, as you're looking about, you're on the second floor of this pyramid, uh, surrounded by bookshelves, all these religious texts are still around you. And as you look about, there's no exit on the second floor. All you can see, once again, is the tube above you that you and Virian drop down from. And as you look, you can see the door that Knives had just come through, which you know from the messages he sent is to an MC Escher-like set of staircases. And, uh, but that's the only exit you can see currently. Right. We need to either... Stay here and, and face whatever's coming, or we need to go and point points at the Escher door. That's a better term. I am a musicians. How far down is it to uh, the door? Is uh, to get off this second floor to the first floor of this pyramid, it's probably about a 10 foot drop. I can advise him to. Why you... not? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Damien. Yes, I can. Um, I would like to, uh, you know, like climb down a little bit. I'm hanging before I drop myself down to the floor. Oh, I should make me a dexterity uh, check real quick. Dex check, yeah? Yes. Okay. Uh, that is a 15. That hurts your knees a little bit as you land on the floor, but you don't take any damage. It's, uh, it's You know, you've dropped from higher distances. Indeed. I think I'll do the same then. Sure, you can give me a dex check as well, then. Uh, that is a 21. Your knees don't even buckle, and you just land in all your sparkly glory right next to Wyatt. Are we in? Let's go. Hey. Put, Knives is walking towards the two of you. You guys heard that, right? Yeah. Yes. That's why we are, you know, getting as far away as we can go. So, back to the door, yeah? Come on. Turn around and go back, guys. I'm not fucking going back to that fucking staircase. I have been trapped there for the past I don't know how long. Right, okay. Would you rather be in there 
you just bang on the door is here and get back out again. Okay. But whatever is up there is clearly gonna be bigger than what you are. No offense. Yeah, and we'll see these two are screaming at each other. Can I have a look around the room just to see if there's anything else? Sure, make me a perception check. Okay. Okay, that's a 16 plus 6, 22. Virian, as Wyatt is yelling at Knives and Knives is yelling at Wyatt, you begin to look around this bottom floor of this pyramid and you see the door that Knives came through and as you keep turning and looking at different walls, as you finally turn all the way around, you see another door opposite of the one that Knives came through on the opposite side wall. So I'm just going to interrupt the arguing, like, da, 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 shut up, shut up, you can do this later. There's a door over there. And then I'll go towards the door. Why will say, like, see that nail that we've done? And Wyatt will turn and follow you in. What I've done? Fuck you, Wyatt. Knives will begin to follow after you. Through the door. <laughs> and into the unknown. Indiana. Do I have sight? I'll be right. <laughs> Virion, as you push open this door and head through, you find yourself back in the very futuristic uh, cold steel of the uh, library that had all of the um, science terms on it. You can see the elevator slash platform that's slowly moving up and down to all the different nine floors uh, going, and you realize you're back to where you were before you went into the pyramid. Okay. I'm just going to take a few steps forward for now while trying to figure out where to go next. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Wyatt and Knives enter into the room with you, and Wyatt, you clearly recognize this as the yeah. same place you were a bit ago. Wyatt will listen out for a more same roaring sound from behind, basically. Uh, you have not heard another roar. Okay, good. Has anything changed since we left in here? No, it's the exact same. Okay, cool. Okay, Sh should we close and bar the door? Okay. I'm not sure. There's a lot of ways in and out of probably every room in this place. So we, as well, yes, it's more likely to let something in easier, but that would also block up one of our escape routes if need be. That's true. Oh, Virion should have been a detective. <laughs> we shouldn't. We could stay and fight it, but we don't know how big it is, or... What if it actually isn't moving at all and it was just like a sound effect being played just to do, just do fuck with us? 
I would like to hope it's something similar to that. In case you haven't noticed, I'm not much of a fighter. I don't know. To be fair, your appearance is deceiving. You are extremely powerful. Mm. Wait, you're way better with magic than I am. I have to use a whole different mode to use magic. Arian looks down at Taran, and then looks back at Wyatt. Hmm. Right. Let's see if there's any other... I don't know, in case any other doors have magically appeared in this place. Uh, there are no other doors you can see at this moment. Uh, but you are up, uh, you realize, not on the ground floor at this moment. This isn't where you came in through the tunnel, or the tubes, from the lower floor the first time. Um, what floor are we on now, then? Yeah. Uh, as you begin to look about, you realize you're probably on the third floor, as you look down. Okay. As you look down, you can see uh, multiple giant uh, holes in the floor that lead to the tubes, one of which you came through the first time, through the college-style library to get here the first time. Vivian, is it forgetting from about that noise? That book isn't here. Should we just get out of here? What do you mean the book isn't here? Oh, yeah. We assume the book isn't here. We don't know for certain. We found a shelf full of books similar and a space where another book was. So we've come, well, I have come to the conclusion, whether or not it's the right one or not, it's open to debate, um, that with the book we need has been taken. You think taken from the library? Yeah, it's not there. Well, where did you find this empty spot? Can I see the shelf from here? Uh, it was multiple floors up. Yeah. Can I see, can I see we'll the start going towards it. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll show you guys. Come with us. We'll head for this. Sure. Awesome. The two of you head towards the lifts and knives follows after. Uh, you make your way up. I want to say I said it was on the seventh floor. I'm going to say it was on the seventh floor. And uh, you get up to the seventh floor and you get off and you lead knives over to the bookshelf where you can clearly see there is a missing book. See, multiversal history and practical occasions, not here. Maybe if he has to do multiverse, not this, not that we need though. You see, Knives is kind of like pulling different books off of the shelves and opening them up and looking through. Oh, fucking hell. This is... Okay, I'm going to tell you truthfully. There's actually... There's an enchantment on the library that I know of, at least. Uh, you can't take books out of here without... And you see Knives pulls out a piece of plastic. You have to have a special card. And I know there's only two of these in all of Ganymede. 
And I have one, and the other one is on Vicious. So there's no way the book was taken from here. And that leads us to the other theory, that it's elsewhere in the library. Library. Tyrion would probably pronounce the word properly, unlike me. <laughs> That's possible, unless Vicious has it. And you can do it that one. Well, I really didn't like nice. <laughs> you see... Well, he's great. The Githraki's eyes narrow at you, Wyatt. If Vicious had it in his collection, Bart would have known about it and wouldn't have fucking sent us here, Wyatt. With the greatest of respect, Captain Pointy Nose, I am relatively certain at this point, Vicious couldn't tell Bart if he wanted to. He's been asleep for the next 10 years. A long, drawn-out sigh escapes Knives' mouth as he stares at you. Wyatt, I'm not allowed to kill you at this time, as you are technically in the employ of my boss. But just know this. There'll be a time, and there'll be a place. Just watch yourself, you fucking idiot cop. Use your fucking detective skills. Bart is motherfucking Vicious's other hand man. He knows everything about fucking Vicious. Vicious's collection has been curated by Bart, you idiotic, little, small-minded, fucking pig! There he is. There he is. Oh. As knives yell at you. I, you remind me of comfort herbs sometimes. Oh my god. Anyway, uh, back to the task at hand. If it's definitely going to be... If, if what you're saying is right, and I do believe you knives, if only two of those cards, then it has been someone here, but where would we even think to start looking for a book in a library of this size? I don't know, Wyatt. Aren't you the fucking detective? Yes, but I need something to go on. Therian, can you make me a perception check, please? I would love to do that. <laughs> Apparently my dice would also kind of love that, because that's a 13 plus 6. <laughs> Virian, as you watch this human detective and this blonde-haired Githraki just in each other's faces, just yelling in this empty library. There's only three of you in here, so there's no fucking reason they need to be screaming at each other because they're right next to each other. Over the sound of their yelling voices, you from above you can hear not a roaring or anything, but you can definitely hear movement. Like, kind of reverberating through the tubes that you went through before. Um, Wyatt and Knife still screaming at each other by this point. Oh, yeah. 
This is a full-on, once again, I'll make another anime reference. There is just electricity between the two of their eyes, and it's just the two of them in, like, a battle book. Ah! <laughs> Virin just looks up towards the movement for a moment. Shit. Shit, 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 shit. Um... What's the best way I can do this, then? In the midst of the screaming. Just shut up! Just shut up! Just for one moment! Listen! I Get your head out of your ass for one moment and just listen. Why well, listen? You might want to fucking die, but I do not. I've done that enough times, thank you. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, what's up? Something moving above us. White pulls his, White pulls his pistol. Uh, as you look up, you can't see anything, but with the now silence of neither yours or Knives' voice echoing through here, you can hear... And it sounds, it's, it's an odd thing. It's its definitely not in the tube, like in the ceiling right above you, but it's definitely, the sound is echoing from somewhere and it's like a sound of movement. Something is moving for sure. Is that like coming towards us? It's very hard to tell. Once again, it's not, it's not a noise that's directly upon you and it's, because there, it's such an open and cavernous area, sound just seems to be echoing. Right. It's not this. Really? I didn't say that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Knives, I'm sorry too. Fuck you, Wyatt. I deserve that as well, but I'm sorry. I got carried away and, you know, tempers are running high and for that I apologize. I'm just such a, I'm more frustrated with myself I haven't figured this out yet, alright? I put my hand over Wyatt's mouth. Shh! You'll lead it straight to us. We can Virian. talk about this later, right? Uh, Virian, can I get another perception check from you? Uh, that's a 17. Hang uh, on. You... No, sorry, that's an 18. Uh, you, put the, today. you put the book away, right, that you were holding before? I don't recall saying anything about that. Oh, so it's still in your hand. 
I don't know. Did I put it away? I mean, you had to climb down a rope. Yeah, I assume I would have put it away at some point, but I haven't explicitly said it. Virion, you, as you put your hand over Wyatt's mouth, tell him to shush. You feel an immense coldness coming from your pocket. It feels as if, like, through the cloth of your clothing, it feels as if your skin is being frozen. I put my hand, not in my pocket, but over the top of it. The book is emanating just cold energy. Okay, um, I pull one of my sleeves over my hands and pull the book out. And this is the book with the gold lock, isn't it? It is. I've been carrying around forever. Might have been touching it last time. Is that book changed temperature again? It's gone colder. White remembers the group chat. Actually, has Wild got access to the group chat or not? I don't think he does. Unless think, he wants to I think you do, but you may have been muted. <laughs> Right, I think rather than speaking out loud, might actually just use that to talk to <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you, I should imagine you'd have access to the group chat since that's like the one spell we've kind of universally adapted to work differently as than it's supposed to. Mm. Uh, why? Message Zirian saying, This is a. Do you think it's being attracted to the book? Do you think it's tied to the book, whatever it is? Possibly. I don't know. Believe it or not, I'm not that great with these things. Doing fine. Doing fine. Right. Do we... The lock on it. Can we try opening it? Aside from... When Virion first found the book, I don't think I've attempted to open it. Has the lock changed at all on it? Nope. Still the same. Everything about the book is the exact same as it's always been as, since you found it, except for the fact it's now radiating this energy. Hmm. What? Looking at it for a moment. What I ended up looking to is... Uh... Into his bag, see if there's anything that can be useful here. Where did I get a sinner? I've really got to look through my thing more. <laughs> Don't laugh at me, Lewis. The semi campaign, you seem to be like, oh, how did you know that? Every campaign. <laughs> a mood. <laughs> I'm this book because I feel like I'm completely overlooking something, but I'm not sure if I am. I have only really locked picking tools, so I could use my knife to try and pick it. I could use my lock picking skill to lock. I have only really locked picking on me, but I could use my knife to pick it, potentially. Hmm, that's why I enjoy having hands. 
Not sure that's the best idea, trying to jimmy open the lock on a magical book. Not for long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um... For now, I'm going to put it back in my bag. Because I've got nothing for this moment. Therian, as you put the book back in your bag, you two once again hear a <laughs> huge roar echo throughout this entire area. And it chills you to the bone, actually, as it feels closer than it did the first time. But meanwhile, we find ourselves, though, back in a ornately carved stone hallway in a very large pyramid in the outskirts of Ganymede. We find ourselves tailing Damien behind a very beautiful woman, her brown hair flowing behind her, the cape kind of fluttering. And once again, you feel a flutter in your heart as you look at her. Just And the rage you feel over this is almost palpable to the whole, like, everyone you walk by, which there doesn't seem to be too many people in this pyramid at this time, but they kind of give you a wide berth as they give you, oh, like, oh, shit, this person is pissed. But you reach the door that Aldrich led you to originally, and it's the medical examiner's door. And Calypso opens the door and motions for you to head on in. Just look. Just kind of grit, grit my teeth and walk in, just deliberately being as far away from her as I can be. She sees this and, like, gives you, I, I am sorry. I'm not trying to. I'm aware. I'm just trying. I'm on the, if I stand further away, maybe when this anger boils over, I don't try and stab you. Because I know this isn't your fault. I'm very fucking angry. At you saying, so I don't stab you, you see her hand instinctually move to the hilt of the greatsword that she has on her belt. And she just looks at you. Please don't try and stab me. I don't want to have to hurt you. Yes, well, at this point, it may not be my choice. Right. Doc, she looks away from you and looks up to the Silver Warforged. What's the prognosis? Oh... You see the Warforged who, like, you couldn't actually, you can't see Bart at this moment as the uh, Warforged has his back to you and is bent over the examining table, like, clearly working on Bart. Like, you can see Bart's, like, feet and maybe the tips of his horns, but this massive Warforged is kind of blocking your view and doesn't turn around or look up and just says, Bruh. I'm going to walk around, see how he's doing. Uh, Damien, you move over and to the side and look, and you can see Bart as the Warforged has taken off the uh, shirt completely. Uh, Bart is laying there naked, uh, but you can see that there is buckets of blood coming. Like Bart has multiple, uh, his arm, his left arm, you can see 
where runes once were seem to have ripped away and you can see pieces of bone in his arm that are sticking uh, out. The flesh just completely gone. On his chest, you can literally see there's almost what looks like a hole that has formed where his stomach once was. And you can, you're not sure if it goes all the way through because there's too much blood to see. As you see, this Warforge though is just moving at rapid pace, both of his hands grabbing and cutting and trying to wrap and stitch and throw anything. As you can see, Bart's chest barely going up and down as he is clinging to life at this moment. Kind of glance over at Calypso and I'm like, yeah, fucking bad. Uh, Calypso actually walks up and goes to the other side of the Warforge to give you a bit of a berth <laughs> to try and be nice about this and looks down. My god. You say it just plane shifted? We plane shifted both of us. Bart, you stupid, stupid creature. You know what this would do to you. And you see, she actually puts her hand like on Bart's foot as she's standing at the bottom. And you actually see Bart begins to, like his breath actually increases for a moment. You see his chest actually moves a little better. And you see his eyes flutter for a moment. <clears throat> as he coughs and a whole bunch of blood just comes out. The Warforged, Calypso, don't! I know you can help, but don't touch him! You see Calypso, takes her hand back. I was just trying. You have to do something here. He's clearly going to- I'm fucking trying to do something, Calypso! Leave me! You see the Warforged turns and gives a dirty look towards Calypso. Your magic may work on everyone else, but I am not of humankind and do not give a fuck. You're my boss, but I'm trying to save this fucking tiefling's life. Leave! So, steps back. Um, Damien, let's let us go. Let us go quickly. Doc, call me if anything changes, please. And Calypso immediately begins to walk out the door as the Doctor Warforge doesn't say anything else and goes back to trying to stitch up and just is swearing under his breath. I kind of give Bart a once-over before I leave. There's just kind of a little smirk on my face that I kind of dissipate before I turn back to Calypso and just follow her. You find yourselves back out in the hallway as Calypso closes the door to the medical examiner's office. Okay, um, I don't... Do you... I don't know what to do with you, Damien. Um, clearly you're... You said torturer, I know, so you probably don't really care what happens, but I, I don't know if we're going to be able to save your compatriot in there, and I don't know what that means for you. Um, Neither do I, because currently he's my boss. Oh, did you did you want something to eat? I'm 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 at a loss. We don't ever have visitors here, and to have someone come in on the, you know, death's doorstep, and then have you, I, I just, I'm, I'm not very good at entertaining. I'm better, and once again, her hand kind of rests on the hilt of her 
great sorry aside i'm much better at slicing off tentacles than i am at this and she have like a do you have anywhere that has access to the outside that like isn't outside Oh. Like a balcony or something. Oh! And uh, you see a smile crosses her face. And as it does, your knees go a little bit weak. But she smiles. and Yes, of course, the, the balcony. Yes, I have an observation deck. We, I can take you there. We can go to the point of the pyramid. As you... I mean, you might not be able to tell under all this blood, but I'm an air genasi. So... I like feeling the air on my skin. Oh, of, of course. Yes, let let us uh, make you as most as comfortable as we can. And Calypso turns on her heel. Follow me. <laughs> Follow her. Vibrating. And Calypso leads you back into the Great Hall before going straight across and taking another tunnel before leading you to a staircase that begins to ascend in a spiraling manner. Up and up and up and up and up. It takes you about 20 minutes to actually ascend this massive spiraling staircase. And the whole time you're trying to keep your distance, but you keep getting wafts of whatever Calypso's perfume is. It must be a perfume or something. And it is driving you nuts. It's I have stopped breathing. <laughs> And even with the stopping of the breathing, you feel like it must be seeping into your skin because you can't get the smell out of your nose. It is everywhere it feels. But finally, you reach the zenith of these stairs and Calypso pushes open a large double set of doors and you find yourself at the peak of this pyramid surrounded completely, almost reminding you of being in Vicious's office, but being surrounded completely by glass and looking out onto the sea of fog to one side and then the outskirts of Ganymede to the other. You can see all the buildings. You can see the golden crane off in the distance, but the rain still pouring down, beating off of these glass walls. Um, if you would like, I can open the windows as well, there, as so the air would actually come through for you. I kind of like turn my head slightly so I'm not directly pointed at her. Breathe in a little bit and go, yes, please. And go back to not breathing. <laughs> you see uh, Calypso steps forward into the center of the room and actually uh, bends down and pulls open a little hatch on the floor and then pulls a switch as four massive like sliding glass windows open on all like each one on each side of this pyramid so that there's now kind of four cross breezes coming through yeah this the tattoos on my arm and things would actually light up for probably the first time since coming to all farm because it is kind of a... It's a sixth sense for a Ganassi to be in their element. So this is just kind of the most... The most angry yet the most zen Damien has been thus far. <laughs> you know. 
Thank you. You can see uh, Calypso looks back at you and sees the tattoos lighting up on your arms. Those are beautiful. All right. Well, Damien, I, I know my presence fills you not with happiness, so I will let you be if you wish and let you rest if you would like. It's not your fault. I'll give you that. I just don't have good history with people. You see an almost mournful smile uh, cross Calypso's face. And once again, you feel the strength of your legs almost go out. But she, well, I hope that I can show you that I do not mean you any harm and I will do anything I can to help you. But I will leave you, Damien. I will come and retrieve you if anything changes with Bart. As she, like, leaves, I don't know whether she'd catch this or not, but under his breath he would mutter, Last person who said that threw me in a river. Well, on a nat one, she definitely did not <laughs> catch anything. Uh, as she kind of just walks by. And um, if you do need anything else, Damien, uh, please just pop your head out the door and someone will come and assist you as best they can. You are also, I, I don't want you to think you are not a prisoner in this room. If you wish to leave at any time, feel free. I am not sequestering you to this pyramid at any way. I do not wish you to feel prisoned in any way. Yeah, well, life is a prison. You see, once again, the kind of mournful look kind of cross Calypso's face, not with a smile this time, more with a almost a frown, but not totally, as she gives you one more look and then closes the door behind her as she begins. You can hear her metallic armor-plated feet clanking on the stairs as she begins to make her way down the spiral staircase. Yeah, Damien will clear his head from her. But it's just kind of, if anyone could actually see Damien, it would be sweet in a way. Because in in my head anyway, when Damien's, Damien's tattoos kind of are part of his skin and they coil and they turn with his emotions. So when he stood kind of by himself in the wind, finally at some point of rest in the chaos, it's very much like they... It's almost like a dance between the wind and his skin. And his hair, which is very fluffy. So he's just going to be there and enjoy one moment of sanity. Damien, you don't even sit down. You just stand in the center of this room. The breeze, the wind whipping through all the different area. Every once in a while being pelting you with a little bit of the rain pushing in. But this is truly the first time you felt any bit of calm in Ganymede since you've been here. And you look at the golden or the golden crane for a second before 
giving a snide look and then looking off the sea of fog. While it might be blank and empty, gives you a feeling of just calmness as you stand in a zen-like state. But meanwhile... Avery! You had your little rest. Uh, what is your current HP at? Uh, a grand massive 25. Wonderful. As the hour passes and you are sitting at this tree, you kind of just taking stock of everything that has gone on so far. Once again, looking down at the once what once was a huge wound in your stomach where you literally saw your intestines almost falling out, but they went back in. And you look at the locket that has burned itself into your chest, and you know that this thing saved your life earlier, and you don't know how. And as you sit there and pondering this, you're breathing and taking time. Suddenly you hear snap as the you hear the cord of unbreakable rope snap in the distance. And the thundering gets very loud and the ground begins to shake under your feet. My feet, I mean your butt, since you're sitting down, but that's neither here nor there. What would you like to do? Uh, yeah, okay, I'm gonna... I'll start moving, I'll... I'm gonna head back into the fort. I'm not gonna directly do a U-turn, but I'm gonna, like... Uh, diagonally to um, the monster, the ape. So I'm going to go back in the forest and sort of force him to do a U-turn, but I'm going to go through the um, bushes. So you're going to head like kind of directly towards the ape, but in a diagonal pattern? Away just say, from let's just say he's going up like that. I'm going to go inside that way. That is perfectly acceptable. Alright, uh, make me a perception check, and then make me a survival check, please. Uh, perception check is 24. Survival is 7. Avery, you standing up from your rest feeling a little bit better and realizing now is not the time to ponder all these crazy things in my life. I need to just keep on living, or I'm not going to have any time to ponder ever again. You stand up and seeing, they're feeling the ground shaking beneath you, you begin to run back into the forest. And as you look to your right, you can see the ape-like creature making its way towards the clearing. And you can see the destruction that this creature leaves in its path with just fallen trees in its wake and broken branches and things. And you can see that it's basically everywhere that it goes, it's clearing this path and taking away more and more cover. So as you dive back into the forest, heading this other way, you go for maybe only about, probably about 25 feet before you reach another path of just cleared out forest where you can see that this ape-like creature has clearly come through 
before looking for you, and you can see just a huge swash of just fallen trees and smash bushes and all this nature as you begin to run through. And you actually, as you cross this big path and try and dive back into the next set of denser jungle, you actually cut your leg on one of these exposed roots of these trees and you splat onto the ground, making quite a big thud as you crack through a couple branches and you hear the thundering stop for a second before you feel the thundering begin and begin to get louder much quicker as you are lying prone on the ground. All right, let me go, 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 into the into the denser part of the forest. Try and slow down a bit. Alright. Uh, you stand back up and once again begin to sprint off into the denser part of the jungle. As you go though, you're getting to realize that this ape has made its way around a lot of this jungle as you keep coming across these uh, paths of just fallen trees more and more often. More and more clearings have popped up everywhere as this ape has clearly destroyed a lot of this jungle looking for you. And as you're running through, you can't seem to gain any ground. You, you've been right next to this ape. You know that it's not that fast, but the thundering doesn't seem to gain or lose any of its reverberance. You can't escape, it feels like right now. No matter how fast you run, you just, this ape seems to be about 50 feet behind you, just the thundering over and over, like the sound of drums just being beat in your head. Would you like to keep running? Gonna have to for a minute. Okay. Uh, can I get another survival check, please? Uh, 19. Avery, you keep on running until you finally come to one more path of dense jungle, and as you reach the other side, you find yourself once again at the bank of the river. Where's the bank? Uh, it's, uh, this... Uh, breadth of the river at this point, probably about ten foot across. I think I can make that one where it breaks a spring in. I forget, it's three times the jump distance and the long jump is your strength modifier, isn't it? Yeah, if you can uh, move uh, ten feet to get a running start. Is there a ten foot behind me from cleared up foliage, or...? You could probably make a, enough of a path to give yourself a ten foot run up. With the pixel spring, I'm gonna take a step back and take a run and jump. Cool. Make me a dexterity check, and you can have it at advantage. The low was a nine, no, an eight, and the high was a nineteen, so twenty-two. Avery, you make it across this uh, river with no issue at all. 
the boots almost like actual springs in your step send you boing right across as you land gracefully on the other side of this river. I can keep going. All right, I need another survival check. Uh, 17. Avery, you keep sprinting into the jungle, coming across more and more of these, like, almost zigzagging paths of downed trees. But the thundering just keeps coming. You can't lose it. It has seemingly gotten your scent or something and is on you like white on rice. You cannot get away from these steps. Hmm. Um, there's no caves around here, it's just forest, isn't it? You have not come across any sort of caves or anything of that nature. So what have I got to help me here? Your wits and an axe? That's about it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to look for... I'm going to keep going until I've got a clearer area, and then... <laughs> okay, so attempt to fight it. Gonna... Hmm, actually... Um... When I did the same face-to-face, how tall was it? You would it's have... Like... About 15 feet tall, you would guess. How tall are the trees in this area? Uh, I mean, the trees average between... Anywhere between 10 to 20 feet tall, depending on, you know, which tree you're standing next to. The tallest are probably about 20 feet tall. Okay, so spring in. I'm going... Screw it. I'm going to... I'm going to try and ambush it. I want to keep going for a minute, hop up onto a fairly tall tree, and then with the boots of spring in, once it finally reaches this area, just leap onto it and bring my axe down on it. Why not? Amazing. All right. Uh, well, with that, then let's see. So you find you can find it big. So you want the, the tallest tree? It'll, it'll give me enough. It'll give me enough of a leap if I. Oh, I don't actually know jumping mechanics that well. I should actually see how high I can jump from a standstill. It is three plus your strength modifier, and it's only halved. It's halved if you do it from a standing position. So, so it's so it's less than three for, and I can do three times the jump distance because it's spring boots, so I can get a total of like nine. Does it round down or does it round up? What's okay. everything rounds down in D and D? Yeah. What's your strength modifier? So, I've got three times with the boots, so I can do about nine foot of a jump. Okay, so I have to look for a fairly sensible sized tree, maybe like 15, 20 feet tall. 
Cool. Uh, you make your way a little farther down the path, and you find a perfect ambushing tree as your brain goes, yes, this will be the tree that I make my last stand at. Uh, and can I get an athletics check for you to climb the tree? I'll use my boots to assist me as high as I can get it. You want to just hop up in the tree like a, a goddamn oh. rabbit? <laughs> well, you, use, use, like, the jump from the boots to get me some way up the tree, so... Because I'm not the strongest of boys, so I, I need to assist myself somehow. Sure. Uh, we'll say you jump and you get nine feet up the tree immediately. That's for, uh, that's for strength. Um, the plus two, that's not terrible. That's a 16. Avery, you manage, uh, as you leap, Using the boots, you wrap your arms around this tree and you manage to hold yourself on there like a spider monkey before, you know, grabbing onto these small little branches and making your way up to the top of this tree. Are there any other preparations you would like to make? Uh, not that I can think of. Draw me axe. And as he comes into this clearing, leap and go for the do I go for the head or the face I go for the try and like jump over his head and bring the axe down into like the back of his head that's my plan could try the face but then his arms could reach a bit easier alright uh, it takes about uh, probably about five minutes before the thundering gets much louder, and you can hear the snapping of trees begin to become right upon you. And then, with another, you see big tree fall in front as this massive 15-foot ape-like creature comes within about 10 feet of your tree, not seeing you at this moment. So you would like to jump from your tree, Avery, and try and bury your axe in the back of its head? Yeah. Then it's not trying to reach behind me. Re reach behind its head. Or being in pain. Alright, but... It's, it's, the best, it's the best I can think of at this point. Well then, uh, first of all, I will need a dexterity check at advantage to see if you can do your jump well. And then I will need an attack roll from you to see if you can bury the axe. Advantage might just be the trick. Um, 19. Other than that, it would have been a 9. And with the attack roll... Uh, plus 7. 18 plus 7. That for sure hits. Uh, roll me some damage, please. Uh, was the axe 2d6 or 2d8? 2d8, I believe. Uh, that's two sixes, so 15 damage with a dex mod. Avery, like a cat, you're perched on the top of this uh, tree branch. Just waiting, and even with a little bit of the cat-like booty shake before you leap from the tree, 
And the ape doesn't even have time to react as you gracefully kind of do a almost a flip in a semblance of the way without actually fully making the flip. You turn in midair and bury this axe into the back of this ape's head. And you hear the ape <laughs> roar and with, drops the massive hammer uh, from its one hand and reaches up to go to grab you. But I will need you, we'll just go right into combat for this. And we'll say that was your surprise round. Now we need to roll initiative to see if you're going first or the ape's going first. Uh, I got a 15 limb. That's not good. As the ape got a 17 on the die. So... Back into combat we go. Avery, I need a dexterity saving throw at disadvantage immediately. That's not bad. Um, Lois was a 13, so that's a 16 lit. Okay. Avery, you have a choice right now. There are two massive ape hands coming towards you. You know that you can let go of this axe and give up your only weapon and drop 15 feet to the ground. And that would escape you from these hands. Otherwise, you can hold on to the axe. You will be captured, but you would be able to pull the axe out of the back of this creature's head. Need me axe. Yeah, I need my axe, so I'm gonna pull the axe out in and get captured. Cause I need my axe. I'll try and keep my um. Let's just see how that goes. Actually, I'll try and keep my hands free as he tries to grab me, but we'll see how it goes. I guess. Avery, quicker than you expected, as you bury this axe into the back of this ape's head, and a massive roar kind of lets out from it and cocks its head back. You, like, lose your footing on its back, so you're kind of dangling there for a second, so you can't do anything as these two hands grip you around your waist and pull you over so that you're upside down, but face-to-face with this ape now. Uh, But that will be its whole turn. Uh, You are now grappled, and you're held about, I would say, eight feet from its face, as its arms are quite long, as it holds you in the air about 15 feet from the ground. Uh, But what would you like to do? It's your turn. Do I have any free hands? Like, is my hand and my axe free? Your your hands are both completely free. You have both of the hands still on the axe, actually, as the act of it pulling you this way actually pulled the axe from the back of its head, but it didn't, like, grab your hands or anything. It has both of its hands around, like, your waist and legs. It's holding you kind of like a popsicle, upside down. Um, with extra attack, I will dab it twice in the hand, like the hands trying to keep its grip on me. Okay. Uh, you don't. I'm not going to make you roll an attack roll on this because you're literally being held by it. So you're going to hit it. 
What I'm gonna say is, you're gonna get to roll those four d8s for the damage for the two attacks, and add your stuff to it. This is gonna be one of those times where you have to hit a damage minimum to do anything. Otherwise, you're just going to be captured still, and then it's going to take an attack on you. As its hands are quite leathery and tough, so if you don't hit a certain damage minimum, it's not going to do anything to it. Uh, it seems like an extra attack. Is this two attacks, or is yep. this just the one? Yeah, so you can roll both of those, or all four of the d8s right away. Okay, so... So on 4d8, that's 22, and then I get plus 6, because of dex twice, so 28. Whew! It was, uh, the damage was 25 you had to at least get to. So, Avery, the first whack of this axe, you bury it into, like, the knuckle of this ape hand, and it doesn't even seem to register with it. And you then reel back one more time and oh, in the exact same spot. And you feel the axe actually hit bone as you cut deeper into that one spot. And with another huge roar, the hands release and you are dropped. Can I get a dexterity save at disadvantage, please? I got two nines, so eleven. No, twelve. Twelve. Yeah, twelve. Avery, with how quick everything happens, the releasing of the hands, you don't have time and you just drop straight down, landing very awkwardly, kind of on like your head and neck area, and you will take six points of bludgeoning damage. Uh, but you are now released and lying on the ground prone. Is going to take their turn next. Um, their hand hurts. They're going to actually. Wow, that is some terrible rolls. Okay, uh, the ape uh, roars, holds its bloody hand for one second, and then reaches back down and grabs the giant mallet that it had dropped before, and it goes to swing at you, but accidentally, like, as it's grabbing this mallet and taking this swing and its pain and kind of its stupidity, it doesn't realize that the mallet hooks itself on a tree, like a whole fucking tree, as it goes to swing it, it literally just pulls this tree out of the ground, but it can't complete its swing. So it doesn't get to attack you this turn. And Avery, it's back to you. Okay, uh, let's just attack it. Um, I'll draw the axe in one hand and I'll draw the blade from the adamantium arm from the other side, and I'm just going to do two weapon placing, so that's three. Two axe attacks and one blade attack. Sure. Um, so I know our, what are you, like, going for? Are you going for its knees, or it's, what? A big ape. You crouch? Does have a crotch. Move it up then, because that works. Fantastic. Um, I got a 15 on one die, and the. So, yeah, 15 all in, and the second die is 17 plus 7. 
Uh, the 15 does not hit, but the other ones do. Okay, so that's 2d8 on that. 6 and a 3. 12 damage on the axe. And then as a... And then I'll just, with the blade, just jab it straight through the crotch. Oh, uh, that is a... 15 plus 7. That sure hits. There, that's just 1d4. Plus dex. 6. 6 damage from that. Avery, you standing up from the ground, you take a swing at this giant ape's crotch, and you don't realize, as you take the first swing, you realize that it's kind of like a Ken doll and there's nothing down there, so the first swing just completely misses, because there's just air. And then, though, you readjust on your second axe swing and bury it into this Ken doll-like crotch of just plainness, with the axe first, and then drive your blade in. And once again, this ape just roars in pain as it now looks down. Um, would you like to do anything else with your turn? Movement, I'm going to sort of pull me weapons out and start running to get behind it. Alright. Uh, you So you're going to just try and get behind it then? Need my movement to move behind it. Fantastic. That is within the realm of possibility, and even with having to use happy movement to stand up from prone, you definitely have enough movement to make your way around the back of this ape. Okay. So, that'll be the ape's turn, then. And I have one quick question, Avery. Uh, would you have left the five-foot uh, range of this ape? My idea is it's big. It swings out wide, so I'm trying to just sort of, like, stay tight to it. Fantastic. Well then, I know exactly what this ape would do in this situation. So, Avery, I need a dexterity saving throw. He's a rollover, isn't he? Um, God, my rolls are coming in for me now. Um, no, 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 18. 18, hold on. Avery, as you jet around to the back of this ape, as it's roaring, it sees you move around behind it, and as you reach right behind it, the ape, in a fit of genius in its own head, just literally sits down to try and squish you with its weight. Uh, Avery, though, in your being a very quick-minded wizard, and at this moment, lucky as fuck, you have just enough time and you dive backwards as this ape's ass slams into the ground with great force. And doom! Uh, but the ape will end its turn because that's all it can do. Oh, it's back to you, buddy. Sitting here again. Stab it three times. Uh, it does have its back to you, so you can take all of these attacks with advantage. Oh, sound okay. So I'll just roll that again. Um, thank God for that, because the one, the lows are one, the high is a seventeen plus seven. So that's one attack. So I'll just roll the damage. Uh, 
9 damage on the first axe hit. It got two 17s, so that's a hit. 6, no. 7 damage on that, and then for the blade. 16. That hits. Okay, that's just a d4 instead. 7. Uh, what was that total damage? I'm sorry. Oh shit. Um, 7 for the stabby. 7 for the axe. And then 9 for the original axe here, I think it was. Awesome. Avery, you uh, dodging away from this, you know, just trying to basically squash you ape with their butt, turn and just start hacking at it with your axe and then stabbing it in the back. And you could just see this ape just roaring as you're basically hacking away flesh and blood is starting to pour from the back of this ape. Uh, but would you like to do anything else besides do your attacks? Uh, since I am behind it and it's sat down, I am going to get out of its range. So I'm just going 30 foot back. Fantastic. That's a smart D&D player right there. Alright, uh, some true guerrilla warfare, uh, as it's now the ape's turn, and the ape will use half of its movement to stand back up, and then it will turn uh, and grab its mallet, and with only 10 feet of movement left, it definitely cannot get close enough to you, Avery, to even take the mallet attack, which has a 10-foot range. So, good movement on your part. Uh, it will be, it'll use all its movement though to get as close as it can to you. And though it's back on you, Avery. I'm, I just had a thought. Um, obviously, my magic is not working. But the arm itself, obviously, as we discussed, has a spell locked into it. Can I feel that magic? <laughs> I don't know, Avery. I don't know, Avery. Are you willing to chance getting that close to it to see if your magic is working? I mean, you gotta get in there to stab it anyways. Let me see. Can I try and activate it, see if branding smite's working? Uh, roll me a d4. Uh, four. Avery, you look at your metallic arm, and as you kind of just stare at it for a moment, you see a couple of the ruins that are on the like wrist actually begin to glow just lightly at first, but then you can see them fully light up as you realize you do have access to your branding smite. Um, screw it, I'm gonna run up and fucking hit it. I'm gonna I run up, dramatic as anything, run up to it, and leaping with me, um, sprinting, boots are sprinting, go for the, go for the face with an axe hit. 
All right, I won't even make you roll a dexterity check for that because it just seems cool. So, uh, roll me an attack, though. Uh, 14 plus 7. That hits. Numbers. Uh, so it is, since it's locked into third level, that is 3d6 radiant and 2d8 slashy. They, okay, these are some good rolls. Uh, let's see, that's a 6 and a 7 plus dex for the axe. So that's 13 damage with the axe. No, 16, sorry, because plus 3 on dex. So yeah, 16 damage on that. Uh, plus 6 plus 4 plus 4. 30 damage. Woo! Avery, you seeing these runes activate on your arm and feeling you put the axe into the your metallic arm and you can see like kind of the magic just extend already to this powerful magic axe. And you look back, roaring leading ape, and just staring at it, going, No, once again. I will not die this fucking day. And you take your three or ten feet of movement for leaping into the air and putting your other hand on this axe. You bury it deep into the forehead of this 15 foot tall ape. And you see the axe just dig a little deeper. And you see a little trickle of blood begin to come down the middle of this ape's face before just an explosion of magic just kind of rockets through the blade and you see the top of this forehead just split apart and the ape goes from you just see the eyes just go completely blank as this whole creature thuds to the ground with you on top of it with your axe buried in its forehead but you're out of combat Sit down for 30 seconds and get back get back up. You know, just fall onto my ass and <laughs> sit down for like 30 seconds. Yeet the cat. Yeet the cat. Avery, you holding the axe in this head, just just gonna rest for a moment and you just literally fall onto the corpse of this giant furry ape and just sit there for a moment and look up into the sky as you see the timer still clicking down. Another six hours passed as the 30 turns into 29 hours, 59 minutes, and 57 seconds, 56 seconds, 55. But meanwhile... We find ourselves back in a kind of futuristic looking library. The steel shelves glistening, the lifts going up and down. But we find ourselves with three adventurers. A sparkly elf who is done with some people's shit. 
a Githraki, and a human who are still angrily eyeing each other. I know you're going to keep coming. Saying it in message, still. Um, that thing's going to keep coming. And that thing, and that book was getting colder, Virian. I know. What's the possibility to connect it? Hi? You're asking me this. I know we don't know, particularly know much about each other, but this is not my area of expertise, believe it or not. I know, I know. I'm just... Stairs in college drop out, essentially. <laughs> I mean, there's more to the story than that, but still. Yes, yes. I mean, we'll examine that probably at some point. Um, I'm only asking because, you know, book with you hasn't been cold before, is cold with this thing roaring at us, that's all. I mean, it's, it's a fair guess. So I'm wondering, what if we leave a book on the ground and see if it goes to, and see if it arrives and goes towards it, and then we kill whatever that fucking thing is? You're assuming we can take on this thing? You seem like you can do the people by accident. Baron narrows his eyes at you for that <laughs> statement. I'm sh between the two I, of I, us. I'm aware what people can do accidentally, Wyatt. Well, it's okay. I won't be doing anything on accident to it. Whatever it is, whatever it is, you're not. I'm gonna make sure that we're okay. Okay. Hmm. Don't think we've got many other plans at this point. It's gonna keep coming. It clearly uses the pipes. Even when we're back where we came, it's gonna follow us. Fine, we'll do your thing. We'll do Knife. your thing on one condition. Okay. I point at knives without saying anything because I'm still using the message. You stop screaming at him for five minutes. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um. No, is Nose in the group chat? <laughs> nope. Nose is not in the group chat, and this whole time is just kind of staring at you two, knowing that you're having a conversation without him. He's actually not even annoyed by it, though. He's just kind of... He has drawn his handgun at this point, and he's kind of just staring up at the uh, tubes in the ceiling. I would like to, with some very basic hand gestures, um, like, point at the book, point at the beast, point at the ground, and then point at cover. You see yeah, that you... to the group chat. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that because I don't have message, so I can't add someone to the chat. Okay, what the fuck was? What are you trying to tell me, Wyatt? Sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't say it out loud in case I think I overheard. Okay, we're gonna try and use Virian's book to lure it out, and then we're gonna kill it. What do you mean, Virian's book? I. It. It, it seems to be. The closer it gets, the colder the book is getting. Oh, oh, all right. I'm. Whatever you two, I. Unless you've got a better idea at this point. Because I'm stuck for ideas. You see, 
though you're having this conversation, message Wyatt or uh, Knives just looks at the hand cannon in his hand, and then in message, I mean, I guess there isn't any other thing else we could do at this moment. If anything else, we need to buy ourselves some time to keep looking for that up for the book we do need. And if anything's going to be following us, let's kill it so we can actually keep looking. Okay. I will try. And you see Knives looks about before I will grab some cover and goes off and hides behind one of the bookshelves. I will put the book down fairly far away from where we're stood now but close enough that we can get to that spot relatively quickly and then go to hide. I will take up cover uh, at equal distance between the two um, so I could also get to the book quickly if you'd be as well. Apparently as a wood elf, I'm good at hiding. Period. You still holding this book, you bend down and the minute you set the book down on the ground, it's almost like an energy pulse, <clears throat> like echoes through this whole area. And suddenly the, <clears throat> the roar is like violently loud as this energy pulse kind of just <clears throat> reverberates through this whole library area. <clears throat> These pulses just keep going off. Are they rhythmical, or...? Yeah, it's about every two seconds another pulse seems to go off, reverberating from this book after you've set it on the ground. Okay, after the fourth pulse, I'll be timing them to in perfect way. I will morph. Well, they're not in, in time with it, so but the noise of me morphing doesn't... Yeah. Smart. Oh, uh, yeah. Definitely. I'll have that in writing. Uh, but then I Ain't need... often. I need... Uh, if you're just going to hide, are you just going to hide there, Virian? Yeah. Okay. I will need stealth checks from both of you. Okay. Uh, 15. Mm, that's not so good. That's an 11. Cool. The pulses from this book. <clears throat> Keep going off. You can hear, though, above you, rustling, coming from the tubes and the ceiling. As you all, in your hiding spots behind these shelves, the pulse is going off from this book. Period, you being the closest, and being the one that set it down, you can actually now feel the cold energy even more so radiating. It's now creating a much bigger aura as you have set it down on the ground. It seems to almost be in some way drawing power or something from the library itself as it's getting colder and colder in a wider and wider aura. But as you stare up towards the ceiling, or it's where you've heard the movement. You stare at the tubes. Nothing happens for a bit. Or slowly. You see a tendril kind of come down. It looks like a 
tentacle, tendril, you think? You're not sure? And then on the end, you see an eye. Milky, but an eye before another eye stalk comes down. You see another milky eye and another and another before suddenly an entire creature descends from the tube flying through the air. You see its massive mouth, kind of a gap, teeth coming in rows and rows. But the main thing you see is the giant eyeball in the center of its head. The iris itself, milky, almost clouded over. You see before you a massive beholder floating down from the tubes. As the pulse of the book keeps It begins to actually gain in speed. These pulses coming faster and faster as this beholder lowers to the seventh floor where you are and begins to move towards the book. What would you like to do? Using uh, the group chat, I'll send to Yes, see one of these things before we're in. Knives. Knives just sends uh, the emoji of the just mind blown uh, face. And then fuck, 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 just over and over. And then Knives leaves the group chat. Okay. This moment, Varian's barely daring to breathe, let alone answer the chat. The beholder is moving closer and closer, and the pulses of the book almost like a heart beating rapidly. You can see the many eye stalk tendrils all kind of wriggling and writhing out. But as you, can you both make a perception check again, please? Perception? Yes. My dice sense my fear. That's an 18 plus 6. At a crit 20 plus 3. In both of your anxiety and fear states, it seems to have heightened your senses for a moment as you stare in perfect suspended, like, silence and unmovingness, like, trying to be as close to a statue as you can. You stare at this beholder as it's moving closer and closer to this book. And as you stare at it, you see that all of these eyes have that milky, washed-over, like, color and you see that it doesn't seem to be actually looking at anything. The tendrils, the eye stalks are moving and wriggling, but none of the eyes actually seem to be focusing on anything. And as you stare at it moving towards this beating, like, book of a heart that is there, you quickly realize that you don't think this beholder can see. It doesn't seem to be 
moving towards the book because it sees it. It's moving towards it because the pulses are going off. Message I, I sent the message to Vivian. I sent, do you think that thing blind? I mean, look at his eyes. It looks like it's, did this, it can't see a thing. Don't know, but I don't want to get very close to find out. No, no. Fuck, I can't legend shift either without making noise. Be my guess, go ahead and do that. Is the pole attracting the beholder? Or is the beholder? Hmm. Where did you even get this book, Virion? Said I found it in the cube. Actually, I'm pretty sure I found it in the cube. <laughs> and I held on to it. If you're going to ask me why, the answer to that is I'm not sure. No, no, no. The question I was going to ask was. Was it a, was it just on its own in there? Was it with other things? Was it? I'm just trying to like piece together more about what this thing wants with the book. I'm gonna level with you. I'd have to ask the DM on that because I'm not a hundred percent sure. Okay, cool beans. Lyrian, you remember that you found the book? It was it was in a locked room in a chest. It's all by itself though. But it seemed to be important, and that's why it was kept in this locked chest all by itself. I mean, it was locked away, but it didn't have anything else with it. Okay. Okay, so clearly it was locked away for safekeeping. I'm guessing so this thing didn't come near it. I don't think I remember whereabouts the cube is in relation to the library, so... Uh, as far as you know, you were transported, you were teleported to the cube, or you woke up there, and then you teleported away from the cube. When you were there, you were just in the middle of what felt like just a void, as you were just surrounded by the night sky in the void. You couldn't see anything of Ganymede or the Golden okay. Crane. Uh, at this point, as you're having this conversation over a message, mm. uh, the, the holder itself is probably about five feet from the book at this point. Right. If we want, we don't want to touch the book, ideally, I'm guessing, so do you want me to open fire? This is probably going to be a ridiculous question. I've seen a picture of a beholder. But does it look like it could smear us across the floor with no issues whatsoever? Uh, Virian, from your schooling and your time in magic and just everything you've dealt with, you know that even this being a blind beholder, if it has access to any of its powers, it would make mincemeat of all three of you in about one second. No. Well, I mean, if you want to die again, sure, go for it. 
but I'd rather not. And how got that? So should we leave the book here for it and run? Or should just, we try to get the boat back? I'm just going to wait to see what happens for a minute. Okay. Okay. Oh, cool. I'll do it. The beholder moves closer and closer. The book almost just constantly doom, 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 over and over as this beholder gets closer and closer. You see one of the eye stalks kind of begin to touch along the ground, getting closer and closer until it finally rests on the cover of this book. And you hear, <laughs> Yes! My book! As this eye stalk wraps around this book and lifts it up. Uh-oh. Was the voice we heard just in our heads, or was it Oh no, that was it talking. You heard, that was it. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 <laughs> This is the greatest day! I cannot believe! I do not know how it got here! Who is here? I know someone is here! This was not here a while ago! I know! Someone must be here! And this beholder kind of floats up into the air, and it's now just kind of in the center of it, and it just begins kind of like... You can see all of these like like eye stalks besides the one holding the book like writhing in the air and just it's kind of like spinning as it blindly literally begins to like look and come on out talk to me i know you're here that's a bit of a good idea for me to do but eh, it is what it is um if I die, I die. Wyatt steps back from the cover and steps out a little bit and says, Promise you won't hurt us. The minute you make a sound, this thing is on you faster than you could ever imagine. It moves in, since it moves in, you know, three-dimensional space, it doesn't have to conform to left or right and in a vertical line, it is immediately within five feet of your face. And you are just eye to face with just this massive beholder. Who are you? Did you bring me my book? In a manner of speaking, yes. You can feel, you see the ten, eye stalk tendrils kind of reaching out and you can feel them they're beginning to like touch you as they're like moving up and down internal you 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 noises you seem to be human oh i have not seen a human for years yeah i've i must admit i've never seen anyone quite like you before Like me? You mean you've never heard of Yukis? Yeah, I have not. Well, that is because I was banished. 
years and years, millennia ago. So, why are you here in a library? This is my home. You see, I was banished years ago. My sight stolen by a terrible dragonborn who I despise. And it took me millennia to claw my way back to this dimension in reality. And I have finally done it. And I have been here, biding my time, trying to find my book, so I may take my sweet revenge. Awesome. Awesome. First of all, welcome back. You know, welcome back. Um, you were gone for millennia, you say. Oh, that's, 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 that's terrible. Thousands of years spent in total darkness. Chaos on the whims of time. It was horrible. Sounds like, sound like a fallout of Damien. Right, um, so you've been here for a long, long time, obviously, then. Now, how long have you been in the library? I've been searching this library as my home for hundreds of years at this point. So you know this library pretty well, obviously, then. Why, yes. Well, since I brought you back your book, could you help me find another book here? Oh, of course. You will find many books. You will never be leaving. There's one book in particular that I need. You feel the eye stock tendrils that have been kind of like just moving up and down on you suddenly very quickly wrap around your waist and lift you into the air. Well, what is this book you speak of? Okay, I put where I hope I can remember it. Where do I going to be in a lot of trouble? <clears throat> well, um, well, um, multiversal history and proper applications. Oh, yes, that is one of my favorites to have read. Yes, yes, come with me, human. Uh, uh, okay. And before you can do anything, you once again already lifted in the air by these eye stalks. And once again, as this beholder doesn't move on a 2D spectrum in 3D, floats back out into the middle and begins to float straight up towards the tubes. <laughs> I want. We'll quickly submit it to me. I'm okay, don't worry. Uh, Virian, uh, would you like to do anything at this point? Or internally scream? <laughs> Try and find Knives, I guess? Because, like, what the fuck just happened? Uh, Knives is, like, about f five, six uh, bookshelves, like, back from where you were hiding. Uh, still behind the bookshelf and just staring at, as this beholder with Wyatt in tow is floating up to the ceiling and you could see Knives' mouth is just 
completely open, just staring at this, and not even pointing his handgun at this anymore, just at his side, just staring at aghast and like, what is happening? Okay. And you two watch as the beholder, known as Yukis, holding Wyatt, disappears up into the ceiling tube. But meanwhile... We come back to a much more zen-like scene at the top of a pyramid that looks to be made of glass, but must not be, as that would be very unsafe. But we find Damien still enjoying the winds, as it were, as the rain pelts down from the sky. But Damien, it's been probably about half an hour at this point that you've just been left up here. Um, would you like to do anything else? You just want to keep hanging out? Damien's not entirely sure what to do here. Because this seems to be a building filled with nice people. And he doesn't know how to deal with that. People are polite and like asking after his health. It's weird. But he doesn't want to venture out towards the city, so probably get killed before he gets back. So you know, he's already had one long walk back. After he got yeeted out of a tank. I think at some point he'd probably have sat down and is kind of trying to map out everything that's happened in his head. He would have taken he probably he would have taken the box with him from his little black box as well. He'd have that on him. And he's just kind of looking at it. And Does Julius appear when I summon him here? Uh, it takes a moment, but Julius does appear. So I'm just kind of explaining what the fuck is going on to Julius, who's looking at me going, I'm literally part of you. I know this happened already, but okay, Dad. As you're sitting in the middle of the floor, there's a knock, knock, knock on the door. Julius like hops onto my shoulder and I like spin around. I'm still sat down, like cross-legged. Yeah. Uh, hello, hello. Uh, and you see a curly set of red hair pop through the door as a freckled, smiling girl stares. Uh, hi, hi. Um, uh, they sent me up to. Did you want anything to eat or drink or anything like that? Uh, I mean, sure. Yeah. Well, uh, Calypso said that they didn't know if you'd eaten or anything like that, and I didn't know how long you'd been out there, so she sent me up here to see, and as this uh, girl comes farther in, you can see that she's probably not actually a girl, she's just very short, uh, but bushy red hair. Uh, she has a minister's collar, though, on as well, dressed in the same kind of black suit that you saw Aldrich dressed in earlier as she steps into the room, and you can see a sword on her hilt at her waist. Uh, well, um, if you'd want to come down to the kitchen, we could get you something, I mean, drink or anything like that. Kind of look at Julius, who looks at me. We kind of move in sync in moments like this, which is kind of creepy. I kind of brush myself down, I'm like, 
All right, be done. Okay, uh, uh, Evelina. Damien. Nice to meet you. And they hold out their hand for a handshake. I'm not a touching person. Sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. My 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 bad then. I apologize. Uh, but this way, Damien. Julius kind of pokes her hand with his beak. Oh, I think we have something down in the kitchen for you too, pretty bird. He won't say no, though he is spiritual, so I don't know where he puts it. Oh, that's all right. He's still a pretty bird, aren't you? Julius is concerned. Like, hops further behind Damien's neck. You see a wide smile across the freckled face of Evelina. All right, this way. And she turns and kind of almost bounces down the stairs. It's just a fountain of positivity. You're remarkably chipper. Well, you know, it's been pretty good times for us lately. Usually as ministers of the watch, it's a lot crazier out here. But ever since these rains came, the, you know, creatures haven't been coming down as much. Or at all. Damien makes note of that in his head. As you follow Evelina down this winding set of staircase, you don't actually make it all the way to the ground floor this time. You actually, it only takes about maybe 10 minutes this time as you only go about halfway down this staircase and you branch off onto one of these hallways as Evelina keeps leading you down. And can I get a perception check from you, Damien? No. Uh, 27. Damien, as uh, Evelina is leading you down this hallway, you're passing by once again. You see all of these like murals and of eldritch horrors at times. Other times you see uh, what look like great battles being fought or fully armor-clad individuals fighting off, wielding battle axes and great swords. Uh, you see other uh, pictures of people in these minister collars and these black suits all holding these obsidian blades. And you keep going down this hallway and eventually you pass by a room. And as you pass by this open door, you actually see what looks to be a huge, like blue, like lava-like portal that is on the wall that is reverberating energy. Out of curiosity, do I see any like obsidian daggers? Uh, you don't see any lying around or anything like that. And you haven't seen any in these murals, uh, but it looks like it could be a similar like blade type, especially when you saw it earlier when Eldrick pulled it on you and had it in your face. It did seem to be kind of the same type of blade. Anger rising. <laughs> uh, these are related. So them, I'm gonna lose my mind. Kind of make note of the portal trying not to make it obvious to Evelina that I'm staring. Uh, Evelina actually stops as you like, she, cause she catches it immediately and, oh, I forgot you're not, I, everyone, okay, uh, that's no big deal. So that actually leads to uh, another dimension, so. I mean, I've literally come from another dimension. So. Oh! Uh, have you ever heard of Earth? 
Like Wyatt mentioned it? Uh, so this actually leads to ancient Greece, uh, I have been told, is where this goes. It's actually where we get most of our standing army from. Sounds strange. Well, the band of atomism was... Oh, I, I mean, I guess you have time right now. Did, did you want to hear? I don't want to bore sure. you. I'm sorry. I mean... I don't really have anything else to do right now, so hit me. Oh, okay. Uh, so the Band of Atomism was actually formed long ago by the philosophy uh, over the atom. Because, you see, they figured out right away, way back when, that the atom actually reacted in different ways that didn't make sense because there was nothing there. So they realized that there had to be universes stacked on universes on, on universes. So the Band Question. of Atom, yes. What is an atom? Oh, that's, that's something. I don't something... think my universe has got to that point yet. Hmm. The best way to describe it is it is everything and nothing all at the same time. What, like magic? Like the building blocks of magic? Basically, yeah. But instead of being, no, it's basically magic. No, perfect. Go with that. But just how magic reacts in wonderful different ways and so many different ways, the atom reacted to being changed. And they realized that there had to be more than one plane of existence and universes on universes. And they found a way to, I guess, transcend the universes. And that led to some bad things where we don't think we... We didn't release them as they're much older than we ever could be or ever will be, but we found that the actual universes themselves were always in danger of being destroyed by these horrors. And she kind of points to some of the walls and you can see. So we formed the band of atomism to stand as the light and fight against those horrors and defend everything. <laughs> Jamie rolls his eyes. Uh, Evelina doesn't even, she takes it totally in stride, just a fountain of positivity, just smiling through this whole thing. She is a devout believer in this and doesn't take your sarcasm or snide as a snipe or anything. Doesn't even mind it. Hmm. What dimension are you from, then? Oh, I am actually... So, fun thing, I'm from Earth-92, and as she steps forward, you can actually see that uh, on this, like, side of this control, uh, or on the side of this portal, there's actually, like, this dial. And you can see, so, our dimension is actually split into about a billion other infinite other side dimensions as well. So, everyone who's here is from a portion or a version of our Earth in a way, but some of them were born here. And you know, it's a weird thing. But yeah, I was born on Earth 92. Damon kind of looks at the dial and is like, so I take it you turn that to say which version of Earth you're going to. Yes, but unfortunately, as much power as we have and as much as we understand a lot of things, it doesn't always work the way we want it to. And it's also a bit beyond our understanding and you see, she actually points to the sidewall next to the portal, 
and you see what looks to be another Eldritch Horror presenting them this portal. I'm sure that was a great idea. <laughs> you know, I always thought that too, but then the way they explained it is, you know, in an infinite series of things and events, there's got to be at least one good one, right? Because if everything happens and everything is going to happen and everything that could happen is going to happen eventually, then it has to be true, right? I don't believe in good, so I'm going to have to take your word for it there. There is no truly good act. Everything has a kernel of selfishness in it. No one does something just to be selfless. A big smile crosses Evelina's face. Damien, let's go get you some food. Maybe a drink. Maybe you'll be a little perkier after that. Oh, my sweet summer child, you have no fucking idea. <laughs> she gives a kind of just a, another wide smile to you and no touching. And then she kind of just smiles and bounces by you to head back down the hallway. I do not compute. Kind of look at the portal, and I'm like, huh. I guess if I wanted to go back, that would be an option. But I don't, so. Makes note of it in case maybe Virion could find some way to it, but. I'll follow El Bouncy Chipper McGee. two of you continue to head down the hallway. So you take a couple more, take another left, another right, until finally you reach a, another set of double doors that Evelina pushes open and you come into a massive mess hall area, completely empty at this time. And Evelina just kind of pushes through, walking to the back wall or opening another door into the actual kitchen. How many people does it look like this would see? Uh, as you look about, you would guess that you could probably fit anywhere between a thousand to five thousand people in this room. It is a massive, like, mess hall. Maybe it makes mental note not to try and kill everyone in this building. Mainly because it would take forever. <laughs> so much work. Oh my god, the paperwork! And the cleanup? Jeez. I don't do the cleanup. I know, I'm thinking of the janitor who's got to handle it later. He's dead too. No! Kill everyone else, but leave the janitor alone! No, he's culpable. He's a witness. No witnesses. The two of you enter into the kitchen. And Evelina looks back. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry again. So, uh, as I said, there's really no army here right now, and it's just us ministers of the watch. So we sent the cook home as well. Uh, but I could whip you up something if you want. Or uh, there's the and she points. There's the liquor cabinet. We don't have coffee in this world. Oh, you see, Evelina's like eyes go wide for a second. Oh God. What am I? We got coffee. And she turns and walks to the back wall, which is, uh, you didn't notice it, you've never seen one, 
but the entire back wall is a giant espresso machine that has about a billion like dials on it and she starts like hitting buttons and we have every kind of coffee that you could ever imagine it's the best Jesus Christ on a bicycle. <laughs> just as black as my non-existent soul, please. Okay, uh, where would you like the beans from? As she begins to, like, mess with a little dial on it. You... It's a long shot. Do you have any from Scotland? Huh. It's a little village in... How much of it? Let me see. And she looks and she starts typing on a little uh, die or on a little keypad. Hmm. Yup, we do. Huh. Let's go for that then. All right. And you see, Evelina pushes a button on the front of the coffee maker, and you hear a. I flinch at that noise. And then. And Evelina turns and hands you a steaming hot cup of coffee. There's like a moment where Damien's natural bitch face kind of fades as he smells the coffee because it does... It does smell like the few good days he had as a kid. And that's a weird sensation. And then it goes back to bitch face. It's like, yeah. My caffeine. Give me my drug. Give me my fuel of hatred. Uh, Evelina, seeing the momentary like respite from your anger and then seeing it return, um, did you want any food or anything? I'm alright. I don't really eat that much. All right. Uh, and you see Evelina turns back and messes with a few more dials on the coffee machine before you hear once again. Hold my coffee tighter. And she turns and has a piping cup of coffee in her hands. Uh, well, I mean, if you want, we could just go grab a seat out in the hall. Just sit for a moment. I think Calypso said she's doesn't. She's going to get you if anything happens with Bart. Otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. We're not, once again, used to visitors around here. You don't have to sit and keep me company. I'm perfectly content sitting by myself if you've got stuff to do. Oh, no, no, no. I'm totally happy hanging out with you, Damien. You seem like a like a fine fella. Damien stares in social awkwardness. Of, oh, no. I have to talk to a person. Sure. I'll go take a seat. Deliber I'll wait till she sits down, then sit like opposite and slightly left of her. Such that she can't, like, put her, kick me under the table or whatever. Evelina grabs a seat uh, out in the mess hall, and you sit across and one chair over so that you're not directly across from her. And she kind of looks at you with, a like, a tilt of her head. That's fine. And we can sit here in quiet, too, if you don't want to talk, Damien. I just, you know, thought you might want some company. I look at Julius, who's like hopped onto the table and is sniffing the coffee. Well, as much as a bird can sniff. And just poking it. 
Oh, I almost forgot about you, pretty bird. Do you think you would want some, like, meat or, like, some seed? Or what would you think you would want? Eh, it's pretty good if you have, like, like pigeon meat or anything similar to that. Let me check. Partial to that. And Evelina stands back up and uh, scurries off back to the kitchen for taking about five minutes and then coming back with a whole piece of, like, raw chicken. Would this be okay? I look at Julius, who's like immediately looked up and is paying attention at the scent of chicken. He's like, "Yeah, I think I think he's interested." And you see uh, the smile on Evelina's face grows even wider as she holding the chicken and in a speed and deafness that you didn't expect especially from this like smiley positive person with a quick one movement her sword is drawn and she slices the chicken breast in like twain perfectly in two pieces and lays them down in front of julius and she's her sword back all in one quick movement that you barely have time to register i raised one eyebrow before i just kind of gesture and julius goes to town Happy bird. Such a pretty boy. As Avelina sits back down and sips her coffee. Yeah, I guess people would find him pretty. Or terrifying. That's kind of the two reactions I get. So, you said it's a spirit raven? Warlock fact. Oh. So he's part of me now well that's just so cool and you see that Evelina is like doing that like almost kid thing where her head is like right on like the table level so that she's like eye to eye level with just watching uh, Julius eat just completely entrenched or entranced by him an interesting note with Julius is he actually has like a really faint dusting of white feathers on his neck exactly where Damien's scar would be on him he like mirrors his dad which is cute stop yelling at the door cat you see that Evelina is like keyed in on those little white feathers and not touching him or anything like that but like pointing oh that's so cute kind of lean trying to cover my scar as much as like the purple, the red blue magic bullshit has happened on it. I think to Damien it would still be there, it was just not as jagged. Oh, hundred percent. The scar, it just it looks more like a line at this point, but the line never goes away. But the skin itself has been fused together as well as it could be. You two sit in the mess hall for a moment, enjoying your coffee and watching Julius eat his chicken. It's kind of odd to be in this big of a space and just have this few of people. It's got that very echoey sound. So you hear every time Julius pecks at the chicken, the sound of the pecking echoes throughout the entire hall. Every muscle in Damien is coiled to spring. There's just something... He's just incredibly unsettled by this place. 
You can see that Evelina has stopped just paying attention to Julius, and while sipping their coffee, she has started to just pretty much stare at you. I kind of meet her eyes with probably the most sincere expression he's had, which is just... I mean, it's just anger, but it's that bitterness. You can see Evelina holds your gaze for a moment before turning and kind of staring into her coffee. I don't know what happened to you, but I can tell it wasn't good. And I'll just tell you, we're not going to hurt you in any way. You're in a safe space right now. As she looks back up and once again meets your gaze. I don't believe you. Because they've said that before. Evelina just staring you, holding your gaze. I understand. You don't have to believe me, but it's true. What kind of sword did she pull out? Is it the obsidian ones again? Yeah. Those swords of yours. Where's the black obsidian originate from? Oh, uh, 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 under our feet. Do you ever make them into other weapons rather than just swords? Uh, no. We are the only, and the only people who carry the swords are the wardens of, or the ministers of the watch. Well, as long as you're not practicing blood magic, maybe we'll get along. You see Evelina actually unsheathes her sword and sets it down on the table in front of you. There's no blood magic on these at all. There's only 17 of them in existence, to my knowledge. And as you look over the sword, Damien, you can see that this uh, blade is actually encrusted with runes throughout the entire blade as well. And though it looks a lot like the obsidian dagger, this is a much finer creation. You can see that this has been hewn to a almost laser-like like point. And you can see just the sheen of the blade is, it's, it's definitely not the same kind of dagger you would have seen before. Kind of examine it. Just kind of scoff. <laughs> if their blades were of this quality, maybe I wouldn't be where I am now. You can see Evelina gives you a kind of puzzled look, but doesn't want to pry and looks at you one more time. You're safe here, Damien. Um, I do have a couple things I must attend to, but you're free to move about or head back up to the tower if you wish. Um, hopefully Doc and Calypso will know something about Bart soon. 
I'm not safe anywhere, Evelina, but thank you for trying. She gives you a mournful smile as she picks back up her blade and sheaths it and takes her coffee with her as the clicking of her shoes. Not that she's wearing heels or anything, but when you're in this big a space and it's this empty, any shoes make a clicking noise as she walks out of the room, leaving you and Julius alone in the mess hall. Just look at Julius like, why is everyone in here? Why are they all trying? I don't understand this. They all seem to think I'm some sort of victim. I'm tiptoeing around me. Normally they people try and murder me by now. Normally if I miss someone trying to murder me. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Julius does not care. He eats his chicken. <laughs> Julius goes on packing. Here it's a bird. Just planning on hanging out here, Damien? Well, it's not... There's always a temptation to go back to the portal room, but... At this point, Damien's kind of listless in purpose. He's very much just in his own head. See the camera, and it zooms in. Just the blank expression of Damien as he stares down to his black coffee, not even drinking it at this moment, just staring at the half-drank cup as Julius continues to peck at the chicken. Just the absolute quietness of this whole scene just kind of weighs on you, Damien. One of those things where, yeah, you, you do, in a sense, feel safe right now. You don't feel any impending danger around you, but in a way, that's almost worse for you as your whole life has been the impending danger it's it's what's kept you sharp it's what's kept you alive and it's it's odd being in a space where it doesn't feel like everyone around you is going to stab you at any moment but meanwhile camera zooms out through the stone structure flying through the air going black for a moment before opening back up on an asimar well it was once a full asimar now he's something else with a metal arm laying on the dead carcass of an ape that he has just killed staring into the sky as the time ticks down but avery what would you like to do? Uh, Avery would have... He's only sat down for 30 seconds, but... Probably been like a good 10 minutes or so. Um, I will take an eye from this ape, because components. So I will cut, as I get up, I will use the um, blade from the arm to cut out one of its eyes. Oh yeah, I won't even make your roll for that. But yeah, Avery 
It, you said you were going to sit down for 30 seconds in your head, but oddly enough, man, this carcass was way more comfortable than you thought it would be. As it goes five, six, ten minutes go by, till finally you realize it's starting to stink already and you need to get back to moving. You stand up and you surgically remove this creature's eye. Going the left or the right one? Left. Take out the left eye of this ape, and you now have an ape eye. You can add that to your inventory. Add that my bag of casting components in the uh, I think I'm gonna head the way. Hmm. Yeah, but I'm gonna head the way I was originally going before I did a U turn. I'm actually gonna go back to the clearing. Sure. Uh, it's way easier right now to traverse through this jungle as this giant 15 foot tall ape has cleared out paths upon paths. And you actually just begin to follow the path that the ape had cleared coming towards you head back towards the clearing as you know that's where the ape came from and it's quite easy the buzzing of the insects is picked up again you can hear the animals around you scurrying about the birds above you know cawing away and it actually seems almost a little bit peaceful right now as you're kind of just making your way through the jungle so you get back to the clearing you find yourself right by this big rock again and you look about, it's just calm at this moment. There's two colors. Looking about. Can I have a perception check, please? Um, seven plus seven, 14. Avery, it only took you about 20 minutes to walk back to this clearing, so the clock hasn't moved too far. But as you look up into the sky, you suddenly hear a cannon fire, and you hear, Well, well, you are a very, very interesting one, aren't you? Avery, you said it was. That's correct. And as Cazador's voice echoes throughout the sky, suddenly you see the timer stops completely. I do not like cheaters, Avery. I need you to tell me how you handled Heckle. the magic in this arm. Oh, that was fine. I knew you could do that. That I let happen. No, no. I speak of the smaller ape. Believe me or not, I don't know where that came from. As you say that, directly in front of you suddenly, Cazador appears. 
his long fingers just a little bit too long, the smile on his face just a little too wide, his face just a bit too angular, dressed in full what looks to be hunting attire at this moment, in a like camo pet uh, camo shirt, uh, a pair of like black uh, military style pants. But this seven foot tall, gangly frame kind of just appears in front of you. What do you mean? You do not know. Before, before I came here, I was resurrected. And nothing's been right ever since. This arm, what I can feel. None of it was, none of it's normal. So, i tell you again, I do not know what that is. Kazador gets closer to you, and at this point, it is basically right on top of you, staring down at you. Well then, let us find out together. And quicker than you can imagine, Cazador's hand flashes out and his long fingers wrap around your neck and you are lifted into the air so that you are face to face with him. And he go, you see his other hand raise up his long spindly fingers before he drives them directly into your chest, like burrowing into it and grabbing onto this gem before giving you a very wide smile again. I warn you, I don't know if this will hurt or not, but I imagine it will. And before you can do anything about it, you feel Kazador's hand like grip around the flesh in your chest. And then with a bit of strength, you just see his hand rip back and you feel a searing pain and you go completely, your vision goes black and you lose consciousness. But on that note, that is where we will end this week's edition of Escape from Wolfham. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of, uh, of Dungeons and Junkies. Um, we're going to the table now and um, just... Give our social information, and we'll start with Chad. Hello, I'm Chad, and today I played, insert name here, and I had a very wonderful time doing it. I hope you enjoyed me playing, insert name here. If you would like to hear me on any other podcast, check me out on Visionaries Global Media. And of course, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Chad's underscore mind or at VFTR 2P0. Always a good time. Caitlin. What up, mortals? I'm Caitlin. Uh, I've I've been here. <laughs> That's my I run a separate TTRPG podcast featuring all of these wonderful lot called Dice and Suffering. It's where my DD campaign is. It's also where we play Blades in the Dark, featuring Clowns and hookers and lasagna. And no, none of that makes sense. It barely makes sense to me, and I, I listen to it. I also write articles about games and mental health on themindgame.org. Woo. 
and transmission. Kerry. Hello, I'm Kerry. Like everyone else here, I don't really have any big projects going on. I'm just the one they kind of can't get rid of. Anyway, I'm Shira Beans on Twitter, where I lurk a lot and post very little. But I also get to supervise the Dungeons and Junkies art Instagram, which is just Dungeon Junkies on Instagram. Goodbye. See you later. Alex. Yes, I am Alex, and I play insert name here as to copy Chaz's trend because that was a pretty cool trend. Uh, you can find me at Spiderbread UK on Twitter. You can find our main show at Game Junkies Pod, and you can find this ever-growing collection of Dungeons and Dragons content on Dungeons and Junkies. Indeed, you can find me at Matt at UK. Thank you again to everybody for listening. Thank you, everybody who's playing. And uh, we're out of here. This podcast was brought to you by me, Chad, in conjunction with Visionaries Global Media and Mad Attack Productions.